0: What's happening, guys? I just want to give a quick little intro into the intro here that you're going to want to skip to probably around around 14 minutes. I'll have it written in the description because Mike and I talked for a little bit on the intro. Just want to give you a heads up. Really enjoyed this one. Once again, Terry, thank you very, very much. I also forgot to give a shout out to Lorian Fenton for getting us in contact or you in contact with us, I should say. And I really want to give her a shout out for that. I appreciate it. We appreciate the time that you made to come on our show. We know, you're a very busy man and we thoroughly enjoyed ourselves and the, uh, the evidence that you presented. And we're excited for all of your books that you have coming out. And I hope that people are enjoyed this one as much as we did. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, please stay curious and keep it weird. What's happening, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 52 of Bob Micah. Terry Lovelace, are you excited, man? I mean, I know we've already recorded this and, you know, it's like a week later and all yeah, that jazz, nice. but uh what, what do been you a, think?
1: Been a minute already, Well, let's,
0: let's address that right off the bat. First of all, guys, you got a great episode ahead of you. Episode 52, Terry Lovelace came in, laid it down. Uh, I feel we did a great job as always. He's a phenomenal person. Obviously, it doesn't really even need an introduction within the ufolo- ufology. Uh I, What's the word? What's the word? I'm like, man, Mike, these words are so hard. <laughs> The, you know, the, the, or I don't want to say the organization, but the people in that group, you know, like the, the what's within community, ufology, community, community, such a, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not a community guy. Such so a it's difficult word. I don't, yeah. I don't say those words, but within the community needs no introduction. I tried my best to give him one, but he also outside of that, you're going to see for yourself too, that he's just an all around great guy. Um, I love how Mike is doing his final audio set here for the, uh. <laughs> well i was kind of like all up in my face it was up in your face a little bit Anyways, let's get refocused here mike this is the greatest intro ever i mean clearly we had one of the legends on in ufology here in an abduction case and we we're like let's let's, let's just our mics here and uh we'll get it <laughs> I'm, you
2: know just
0: ca- I'm just teasing we ain't teasing. we ain't professionals <laughs> that's true as you guys will see um but i will say uh, before we get going any further, obviously, if you guys have been sticking around, you've noticed that we've gone about every other week release, and that's probably going to continue going forward. Um, I know Mike has been working quite a few hours. I'm going to be out of town for a couple of weeks on a job. So I would say as of right now, until we can get kind of, I don't know, maybe back in some sort of the same schedule or whatever, it will we'll go within every other week episode. Plus, I feel like we're doing a little more due diligence. I at least feel like I'm doing more due diligence on getting a better guess or a little more detail in the story when we're going every other week versus the every single week thing where we're just putting out more content than quality content. And I'd like it to stay remain quality for you guys as possible. So um, besides that, we'd like to also ask a few other favors. If you guys would, would you please share our podcast with somebody just to get feedback? If you think it would be interested in it, if they're into any of this stuff at all, just share it to me like, hey, I'm listening to this podcast. What do you guys think? They're looking for feedback. Maybe reach out to them let them know. That would be huge for us. Word of mouth is how stuff gets spread. And then once again, always go and subscribe to our main website, which is bobbu dot podcastcom That's BobUSA Podcast.com. You'll be able to find all the links that you can follow us through on there. And uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's actually a goal I'm gonna start making. We're gonna do it. Some I don't know when it's gonna happen. We got like backlog of bro, we probably, I think thirty-two. You got a lot
1: of episodes.
0: It might be like episode thirty-two. And it's actually more than that because we have all the audio episodes before we started doing video. But at some point, mother truckers, if you go and subscribe, let's let's do let's just set a goal for like fifty. We want to shoot to get to fifty. I think we're at probably nine. I don't know for sure on I YouTube.
1: Have... <laughs> I don't know. I have no clue. Well, here's, here's the one thing I would say: is... completely. Our content will probably be taken. We'll ah, probably get crap. banned on YouTube. Let them ban us. I'm just saying. That's when we become so. Band it's going to be kind brothers, of a huh? wasted mm-hmm. effort.
0: Yeah. Not wasted, never. Anyways, if you could go subscribe there, it helps us out. But at very least, if you could uh, follow us on there and then share it with a friend. That would help us out in a big way. Um, outside of that, Micah, I had one other thing I thought I wanted to talk about that I was gonna be important, and it's slipping my mind. I guess I should have written it down. Oh, I want to say happy Easter, everybody, enjoy your weekend. This will be probably I'm gonna work on it tonight. So it'll probably be weekend or Easter weekend here for you guys. Hopefully, you got a three-day weekend, and if you didn't, at least enjoyed it in some way, shape, or form. Because it's, you know, it's not creepy to take your kids and stick them on somebody in a big giant bunny suit and be like, (laughs) smile! Candy, the <laughs> Lord is risen. Anyways, uh, Micah, what did you think though? Getting back to this episode, I know we got a little bit longer intro than normal, but what did you think of this? For that, I know you had to run, and people see that soon. Episode, Micah had to run for work, and Terry and I went about for maybe, maybe another forty-five minutes to an hour after after you left there, Micah. So there, there was quite a bit more that came out. But what, what did you think for what you got to hear? I mean, but for yourself, being someone who's a very skeptical uh, in a good way approach to. In in and around, especially the UFO topic, but paranormal stuff or just a, uh, we'll just
1: say high strangeness in general. What were your feelings with him? Uh, I mean, I I would I would agree with with what you said. He does he does seem like a genuine guy, so I don't I don't think it would be something he would just be making up. But um, I mean, if you really think about it it is it is it is very odd um well yeah, it's also I don't know it's 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 hard to to kind of wrap my head around the the reality of like all the the crap that like men in black for instance, and that kind of stuff hmm. that's probably freaking real at this point if 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 what he's been talking about <laughs> yeah. is is real. Um so like to be able to just kind of put that into retrospect um and and try to to make sense of it is kind of a difficult thing mm-hmm. right because we have we have what we what we perceive as reality which does not really consist of other beings and mm-hmm. secret government agencies that are like, hey, you talk will kill you.
0: I mean, um, it, it doesn't. It doesn't, you know. right? I mean, that's kind of some of the stuff we did on our show. Like, it's what's weird about it, it. And and I apologize for interrupting here, but it just to me it feels like what's kind of happening with you is like if if this if history had just been he's seen some stuff, let's say on the political spectrum, right? He's seen somebody make a little sideways deal that they shouldn't have, and then he had these experiences of people showing up or, or like threatening him. We'd have totally like there's no weirdness in that then, right? All of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, that's totally, <laughs> it's totally fine. So it's it is funny how like you said, and this could be different for anybody and and you the listener, wherever you're at in your your process of processing this because it is a process um God knows i I mean I'm but a but a Padawan in this area when it comes to all of it, but it's it's amazing how every year to six months I'm like, wow, I look back and where I was how I thought about something six months ago or even a month ago is, is vastly changed. But it, it does challenge your worldview, I guess, depending on where you're at. I don't think, personally, and you be the listener, make the determination yourself, as we always try to say. And, and he even encouraged that, too. Hey, you do the research, and and this is the evidence I have. And if you can present something that, that, that is able to contradict that, then so be it. But at the end of the day, it's like, I'm just, you know, like we said, we'll, we, the show, have someone coming on, and I'm going to challenge them unless it's something just out and out, like... They're now saying that left is not right or whatever, you know, right is right. I mean, sorry, wait, let me say this again. Right is the new left and left is right or whatever. If they're saying something that's clearly like, yeah, you're just being silly about it. Okay, I might call them out on it. But other than that, I'm going to put it on them every single time. If they want to lie to us and you, the listener, that's on them. And I trust your guys' intelligence to, to sift through that. I don't feel it's my job or Mike's job to... You know, be your to filter. be the new
1: Facebook.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that. filter
1: all the information you receive right. because we are so good at that. Mm-hmm. And mm.
0: obviously, again, it's going to depend on where you're at. You might listen to something one year. I've had it myself where I listened to certain shows, couldn't. I was like, man, I just can't. I can't believe. It. I can't buy it. And then I've gone back a year later or two, and I'm like, bro, that actually now nah, it kind of makes sense, right? So for me, I mean, and that's one of the things that was brought up with one of our listeners. They're like, yeah, you guys kind of like. We won't get into it too much, but it was basically said that, like, you guys really let it, uh, there's no reins over there. And I was like, what am I supposed to do? Be like, yeah, it's too far. I feel like the listener here, one of the listeners out there, could feel this is too far. I'm going to shut this down. I will shut that down right now. <laughs> so, anyways, I, yeah, I, I, I completely derailed and interrupted you, Mike. Um, overall thought though, with him being a credible guy, I don't think there's any question about his, you know, if you want to go from a, I guess a studious point of view on it as far as what he did for career and where he's at and all that. I mean, I don't think there's any chance. there's no real um issue
1: that way. right? He's a pretty stand up guy. He has he had quite the uh quite the introduction that uh we he spoke of. He's got uh he's quite quite the resume. Yeah. Um uh, I mean, no, I, I wouldn't say there's anything that you could like very clearly, blatantly point out to be like, yeah, well, this guy's clearly full of crap, right? Um, and like I said, I didn't, I didn't get that sense about him. It's just very, it's very hard mm. to to change uh, the way you see things, you know, yeah. like without actually experiencing it. It's very hard to just be like, oh, yeah, you were you were taken into a ship and. They probed you and and then they sent you back and <laughs> I, don't I don't know why, so why? So why forth. Do I forth like laugh at that part it's, it's but... very it's very hard to I don't know it's I... it's a it's a hard it's a hard thing to like wrap your head around and I I still don't know entirely how uh, how, how I feel ends. about it you yeah know?
0: plus you don't even know how it ends like there's still there's more bro we got into like after you left because when you left they were just getting ready to do the. Uh... They were just starting the regression with him, right? The government had just taken him to start doing regression, I believe, when you had to leave. It was somewhere around that point. Right in there. Yeah. So that's where we really start getting detailed on what he, uh, you know, as you will hear as a listener and go, I don't want to ruin too much, but that we, you know, get much more sp- specific about what happened that evening that he hadn't recalled. You know what I mean? Down to what was going on inside of the craft. So, and it's intriguing and it brings up some thought provoking questions and it's, Anyways, hope you guys enjoy. Um, I think we've rambled here enough, obviously, yeah, but we, we actually long haven't long talked in a while. That's all right. We'll put a timestamp like we used to do in the old days when we were like, uh, I skipped it 27 minutes and 30 30- <laughs> 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 Some of those ones back in the day were pretty long. Um, next week's episode, if you guys want to keep your ears out for it, I will be covering, I don't know if we can work it out, if Mike is able to or whatever, if we will figure it out. I know that we'll be covering the Carl Higdon incident. And for people that haven't looked that up, it's going to be kind of a similar situation again as to what he experienced. But, dude, it's it's just such a crazy story. And shout out to the Cryptonaut Podcast. If you guys haven't checked them out, go check them out. If we can work everything out, maybe, maybe we'll be able to be bl- graced with Rob and Mark's presence from their, their show. And if you guys are all about cryptids, please go check them out. Maybe I'll make sure I throw a link in there. I think we've done it before for them too, but I'll put another one on there tonight to go check them out because they are a great podcast that focuses on you want to talk about a group that doesn't filter anything out, both literally and you know with with the evidence and the storylines coming in. Um, they let it all they lay it out on the table. They usually get uh they're definitely marked. Uh, what is it? Not safe for work. They're they don't hold back on their. Uh, the are flavorful flavorful conversation that they might proceed with. That uh, that's a way to put hmm. it. I, guess. I joined. Explicit. Dude, yeah, they're from New York. It's hilarious. I, I think it's awesome. Explicit. Oh, don't get too yeah too fancy with me now here. But yeah, that's one I know that'll be coming up. I don't know if it'll be the very next episode. I'm hoping it will be. And then, Mike, do you have one that you've been planning? I don't know if you've been planning anything politically or. That's I your side of the g- show. Uh,
1: What's been going on in Mike's life? I mean, could we people uh, have been missing I just, you. I've been busy. I've been busy. I've I, busy I worked third shift, so it's. Mm. I don't know. Like uh, I get out of bed. I would much prefer. I I I like to spend time with my family. So I uh, I I don't know to do the to do the research and stuff um. That I I should do. To do an episode would take some more of my time, and uh, right now I I enjoy spending that time with my family. So the
0: people have been asking for like uh, maybe like once a month. Maybe we'll play one out for like a month because people have asked. People have asked. If I get some
1: time, I get some time. Yeah. I'll 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 figure something out.
0: People are falling down the stairs upstairs. And, yeah, uh, we're <laughs> never gonna do that. All right, this is this <laughs> episode's not a political one, guys. Terry Lovelace, Michael, let's get the music rolling and peace and love and Taco Grace. What's happening, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 52 of Bob. Today we have a very special guest with us. I know we always say that every time, but I really mean that this time. We really, really do. At least on my end, I'm very excited about this one. Uh, Mr. Terry Lovelace. Uh, Before we get going here, though, Micah, have you heard or know of Mr. Uh, Terry?
1: Uh, Other than you, no. No, I've never actually uh, heard of Terry Lovelace, but I'm also not big into uh, I, I I believe you are into like the UFO kind of spectrum on on everything is that is that correct?
2: That's correct. That's that's okay, That's so, That's kind of my gig. Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: that's that's kind of I, I'm I'm very hands off on the the UFO thing. I don't really I, I think that that's very possible but uh I'm not like I'm not he, he's a deep skept- diving into Let's
0: say you're, it. A, you're a skeptical, uh, what would be the term? Skeptical maybe believer. That's, we, we've come along with it. Possible but, believer. But, yeah. All right. So <laughs> I'll read this then. Let me tell people a little bit about Terry. Just, and Mike, for yourself too. For those who don't know, uh, Terry Lovelace is a six year veteran of the United States Air Force. He has a bachelor's and degree in psychology and a law degree from Western Michigan. His legal career began in private practice until his, appear- his appointment as an assistant attorney general for the U.S territory of American Samoa. He also served as an assistant attorney general for the state of Vermont until 2012 and his retirement. He and a friend were abducted from Devil's Den State Park. And uh, that's what I always said. It's, it's in Arkansas. I don't know why we always I, I, the one spot that's off there, but it's in Arkansas. And this was, has to do with 1977. And we'll, we'll get into a lot of that. I'm going to go through this, but there's a lot we're going to break back down. So in Arkansas 1977, while remote camping, they were both active duty at the time. In 2012, a routine leg x-ray discovered two anomalous objects in his leg. The x-rays are on his website at TerryLovelace.com. Once again, that's TerryLovelace.com. And as always, we'll have all the show notes down there for you guys. The links will be right there. You guys can go scroll down and click on that. Please check him out. The event um, was the catalyst to write the book and speak publicly about his experiences, which is what we'll be digging into tonight as well. Um, now, I will say quickly, too, before we finish this out, he had mentioned before, for fear of losing his job and the respect of his peers in the legal community, he waited until 2018 to self-publish Incident at Devil's Den, a number one bestseller on Amazon with 500-plus reviews and a 4.6 out of 5-star His second book, Devil's Den, The Reckoning, was published this week of Christmas in 2020. Obviously, we're a little bit past that, but we're we're right there. It was number one new release immediately and hit number one bestseller status on February 10th. Since March 2018, he has been on radio podcast guest more than 100 times from hosts that include George Knapp, George Norrie, Linda Moulton, Howie, Jimmy Church, etc., he has spoken at UFO Congresses, Contact in the Desert, the Roswell UFO Festival, and is scheduled to speak at UFOCon March 6th through 7th and live in Sedona March 19th, which I know some of these dates we kind of were at or rolled through. Uh, 23rd in the Ozark Digital Conference set for April 10th and 11th. So here's some ones you guys can still catch him at in 2021 and at Contact in the Desert as of May 2021. His story was featured on an episode of the tra- Time Travels channel My Horse Story, which originally aired in November 2019. Mr. Jerry Lovelace, welcome to Bob. We didn't murder that for you too much. There's a lot there. That's quite the resume, sir. That's, uh, that's, well, <laughs> <there's> thank you. <laughs> there's no easy a... feat. I read that every time. And I'm like, man, this is a lot. It's, this is intimidating. This is a
2: lot. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very kind introduction. Thank you very no, much. No, for
1: sure. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate your service, by the way, sir. Um, I know well, it's thank you. It's a, it's a mostly a selfless act. Um, and, uh, I, I do truly appreciate it.
2: Wow. Well. It was a ticket to college, actually. <laughs> well, like I said,
1: it's mostly selfless. Mostly. It's, I mean, it has its benefits, but yeah. it it is it is something that uh, that obviously it does require a lot of of um, sacrifice on your end to 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 do. So um, I do appreciate it, and uh, just like every other veteran out there, I, I I do truly appreciate your service.
2: Well, thank you, and on behalf yeah. of the other veterans, thank you.
0: Yeah. No, I really do second that right there for sure. Now, Terry, I have, uh, again, Mike. this will be, uh, I, I, at any time, feel free to jump in because there's going to be a lot. And uh, Terry, I again, let's right off the bat before we even get going here, I'd like you. I know I told people we could find you as far as the website, but if you want to mention your books right off the bat here, and if there's anything you want to plug right now, please do. People are listening in the beginning. Let's get it out there now, and then we'll kind of we'll kind of jump into the first book here.
2: Sure. I'll just be real quick. Incident at Devil's Den. Uh, on Amazon is available as a Kindle uh, paperback with the photographs in the back and a most excellent uh, audiobook book uh, through Amazon or on Audible uh, for Incident at Devil's Den. I did it. You know, I should I should have hired a voice artist. Everyone told me, but I wanted to do it in my own voice. So I did. And uh, um, it gets good reviews, too. So uh, and then the second book uh, is uh, Devil's Den, The Reckoning. Hmm. And uh, that's also available in uh, Kindle and paperback uh, with the pictures in the back. Uh, and the audiobook isn't out yet, but uh, I'm working on it.
0: There you go. So. I always look it's forward to the Amazon. audiobook. So, Amazon, that's the way to go. And if you don't have Amazon, well, there's no, I don't know where you've been hiding. I don't know if you don't know about Amazon. <laughs> Yeah, I really appreciate it, too, that you actually did it, that you went that route for us, you know, using your own voice. And I know people say, well, you know, he's a professional whatever. But for me and for an individual listening, who who better to hear from than the person in their own words? I mean, it's, in my opinion, you know what I mean? That's yeah. just the way I – I don't know. That's just my opinion. <laughs>
2: well, <laughs> it's, you know, and I'm cheap, so, you know. There uh, you go. Yeah, it uh, worked out uh, a decent deal.
0: So, yeah, uh, so – as we mentioned, as you for the listener listening in the introduction there, uh, we mentioned a lot of things, but we we mentioned some pretty big words and we mentioned a, a, an abduction or something that took place in 1977 there. But before we really dive into that, I wouldn't mind in your own words before, because I, I have a list of questions for you for sure. That And it's funny how you mentioned how the publisher had mentioned, hey, let's ease off on the childhood stuff, because for me. That was that was big, and now we'll get into some of the reasons as to why. But for yourself, where would you say this kind of started for you? Besides, obviously, at the beginning, what was the the uh, the the straw that broke the camel's back where we started moving into this? Was that 2014 when you had the x-ray? Was that what really motivated this? Yeah, yeah.
2: 2000. You know, I've been a lifelong experiencer, and uh, people who've had. People like me who've been tagged for whatever reason, I mean, you know, like a, like a lion on a Serengeti plane, man, you know, they 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 um, you know they stuck something in my leg that doesn't mm. belong there. And uh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that until I got the x-ray in 2012. And the doctor popped it up on the box and said, how'd you get this thing in your leg? And I'm like, I don't know. And he wanted to see the scar. You know, the radiologist said, you have to have a scar there. And I'm like, no, I never injured that leg. Hmm. And he looked for a scar, and he was kind of freaked out. He said, you know, you can't violate the integrity of the skin and stick something this deep into bone and fascia and, and under your skin and there not be a scar. That doesn't that doesn't happen. I asked him, you know, doctor, how often is it that you see a foreign object in a leg like this and there not be a scar? And he said, I've been a radiologist 23 years. I've never seen this happen before. So if anybody wants to see those x-rays, I don't know if it's sent you copies or not, but if you don't have them... Yep. You do have them good.
0: Yeah. For those that are listening right now, if you follow the link, if you're maybe watching live, you can follow the link back to our Facebook group. Uh, They're going to be, I have the pictures of the x-rays themselves right there in a post that marked as an announcement. So they'll be like one of the first things that comes up for them when they go in there.
2: So that was a watershed moment for me. That, that, that was, that pushed me over the edge, you know? And I think what it was, was it was the validation that they had put their hands on me. Hmm. Um, That just, that just you know, cranked up nightmares and, and I, I just obsessed over it. Couldn't get it off my mind. And, uh, I decided to just confront it and write a book about it and talk about it.
3: Right. And, uh,
0: so at that, at that time, I was to say, it, 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 and from my understanding and it, I love what you kind of did in the book because, you know, we kind of were, we're jumping around a little bit in the timeline, but not, not in a bad way, not in a choppy way. I felt it was very well done, but you you start with where we're we're at right now, which is this moment where you're saying, "Hey, what's going on here?" And and I mean, when we say that extensively, look, people looked over, like you said, they couldn't even find it right under the black light. My understanding, right? You, if you have scarring, they should be able to pull it. Is, is it called a
2: black light basically? It a, yeah, it looked like a handheld black light to me. Uh, I call it a black light. Maybe it is something else, but. Uh, um. The doctor told me because I asked him, what are, you, "What are you doing?" And he says, "You know, it'll." F-, he used the word black light. He said it'll fluoresce under a black light. No,
0: oh. well then maybe I, uh, I don't feel so bad now. I yeah. guess I did use the right term here. It was the right word. Uh. Yeah. But yeah, and it, so there was, there was nothing there for yourself. Now, had you, had you ever thought about this? Because I know we, we talk about it, and we can bring this up now, I guess, in the book, too. Obviously, you'd mentioned back in the day you became an avid uh, jogger, you know, back in the day, or runner. Sounds like you did a little more than jogging, though. You started getting the miles up there quite a bit, it sounds like.
2: Well, you know, no, I never did, I never did marathons or anything, but okay. I do between three and five miles a day. But I ran pretty much every day. I mean, in Michigan, yeah. I'd run, you know, I'd run in the snow. The only thing I wouldn't run on is ice.
0: Yeah, well, we try not <laughs> – no one should be trying to run on the ice, that's for sure. It's, uh. But this, this way – like, oh, go
1: ahead. On, on the, the knee, just real quick, do, is that something that you guys explored? I mean, did you did you get whatever it was in your leg out, or is it still there?
2: Well, that's kind of a long story. Hmm. Um, and, and to finish the comment about the jogging, yeah, or running, uh, yeah, I ran for 40 years. And when I saw that x-ray, I realized that – there was a there was a spot on my leg. Every time I'd run, every time I'd hit the two-mile mark, you know, I mean, give or take 50 yards, this spot would go completely numb. A uh, hmm. spot about the size of a half dollar would go, I mean, I could take a safety pin and, and trace it. It'd go numb and kind of itchy. And when I saw that x-ray, I realized that that thing that looks like a uh, transistor, you know, it's a square device about the size of your fingernail with two wires attached to it. Um that lay directly underneath that spot that would go numb hmm. so I made a connection to between the two so that's that kind interesting. Of freaked me out. and yeah I want it out of my body I mean that you know <laughs> yeah I wanted it out of my body yesterday um, and I told I told the doctor you know look I I don't know what this is but I want it out mm-hmm. and, uh, you know well you know here's a referral to your surgeon so I get all my medical care from the VA. Um, and I went to a surgeon, surgeon looks at the x-rays and he's like, cool, yeah, I'll take this out for you. And I said, well, you know, I, I need you to follow a, a forensic protocol when you do, because I, I wanted it in my hands, but I wanted I wanted no one to be able to come back and question the validity of what they took out of me. Yeah. So, you know, so he said, yeah, you know, he's taken bullets out of people before and and, and legal, you know, with that had legal cases, there's a way you got to handle you know, a chain of evidence to preserve its authenticity. And I insisted on doing that. He's like, yeah, that's no sweat. That's no sweat. He said, the only obstacle is, he says, I see you have heart problems. And I have. I've had three heart attacks, (laughs) you know, pacemaker (laughs) and uh, um, a stint. Uh, So I've had. I got a long cardiac history. And uh, even though I ran, you know, go figure.
0: But so, maybe the running kept you, hey, that's why you're still, you know, that running kept you
2: going. That could be what it is. Right yeah, it's like the story of uh, Jim Fix. Uh, that I don't want to go into. But, uh, he, he wrote a book about running and uh, drop dead running. The <laughs> book was a number one bestseller. <laughs> I, know, it's a, it's so,
0: I don't mean to lie. I'm sorry. I don't, it's the irony. Yeah, it's is It's, it's, it's
2: <laughs> A
0: little bit. The irony is kind of there. That's. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, was he passionate about doing it and he loved it? Then, hey. he, Yes. You know, then, hey, he he went out doing what he was passionate about. What what are we going to say about it? Yeah, <laughs> so, no kidding, no kidding. Um,
2: so, so anyway, I needed to get a cardiac clearance letter mm-hmm. from a cardiologist. So I thought, okay, no, no big deal. Shouldn't be a big deal. i go see my cardiologist. My cardiologist said, absolutely not. Hmm. And I'm like, look, I want this thing out of my leg. And she's like, you know, this is the VA. And she's like, look, I got 50,000 vets here that want piece of metal out of their leg from Korea or, or Iraq or wherever. And it's a risk versus benefit analysis in this mm-hmm. country. The standard of care is that if you've got something in your body and it's been there for years and it's benign, it's not worth the medical risk, especially with the cardiac history that you have, yeah, to run, go through anesthesia and the risk of infection. So the, the risk outweighs the benefit. Hmm. So I, mean, I it, it, saw five cardiologists, two in the two in the VA system and three on my own dime. Really? And nobody would give me a cardiac clearance letter.
1: Yeah, so, that sucks.
2: Well, <laughs> I still got it. Still got it taken out though.
1: Yeah, Is yeah, That that's... like uh, black market <clears> taken out, or
0: like... uh, a little more than that. <laughs>
2: well, I had, uh, you know, I was talking. I was talking to a uh, surgeon down in Tijuana. And I was planning mm. to go down there in December of 2017 and have it removed. Because my, my dream was I wanted to have it removed and have it in my hand and right. take a photograph of it and use yeah. that on the cover of my book. I, I thought that you. would be cool. Um, but that didn't happen. I, I woke up on uh, November 17, 2017, and I had two puncture wounds at the top of both of my legs. Uh, the scarring came out about 36 hours later. Uh, and those pictures, I believe, are also on terrylovelace.com. Yeah. And uh, I woke up and I told my wife, I said, I think they took and came and took this thing out of my leg last night. And she's like, well, go get an x-ray. So I'm like, okay, uh, where do you go to get an x-ray? You know, you can't just walk into a- <laughs> So what I did was I went to this uh, chiropractor's office because I thought, hey, you know, they, they take x-rays. They look at 100 x-rays a week. And I took copies of my x-rays on copy paper. Um. And I waited. I didn't have an appointment. I waited 45 minutes. He's busy, right? He calls me back, and I go on the back. And he says, okay, where do you, you hurt? And I'm like, well, here and here. And he looks at the puncture wounds, and they were weird puncture wounds, too. They were very deep, uh, but they didn't bleed, not a drop of blood. Uh, one on each leg. And uh, he said, how'd you get these puncture wounds? I said, well, I, I woke up with them. And I said, uh, I'll be honest with you, doctor. I went camping in 1977. I believe I was uh, abducted by extraterrestrials, and I believe that they implanted a thing in my leg. And I think they t- came and took it out last night. And he's like, "Okay, <laughs> I don't think we can help you." And yeah. uh, you know, I, I put my pants back on. But I mean, how you know? How do you broach the subject? How do you you know? How do you bring it up? I mean, it, I thought cut to the chase would be best. So. He's walking me, he's got me by the elbow, he's walking me to the front door, and I'm holding these x-rays on copy paper up in front of his face. And three feet before the door, he stops, and he takes the papers out of my hand, looks at them, and says, follow me. me, Takes me back into his office and shuts the door, and his phone's ringing, and people are knocking at the door, and he puts the two x-ray copies down on the table and pushes them toward me and says, give me the capsule explanation of what happened to you here. You know, mm. give me the three-minute version. Right. And I did it. it was, you know, I told him what I what I believed, what I what I believe happened to me. And he said, um, I'm going to go ahead. I'll write you a, a script for an x-ray. So we don't have x-ray equipment here. We use a freestanding clinic down the street. Um, but you take it down there. He said, I'll pay for your x-ray. He said, you just promised me you won't use my name or the name of my clinic in your book. Mm. Um, I said, deal. And... Uh, I went down and got an X-ray, and when I got to my car, I held it up to the sunshine, and sure enough, the thing, the thing above my knee was gone.
0: I was going to say, Terry, I don't know if you can see or not. Can you see the pictures that I'm sharing on Zoom right now, or no? If you can't, that's okay. I know which ones you sent me, and I can. It's it's the before and after. Basically, we have a we have a before. So for those that are watching right now, I'm, I'm showing them the original one where you can see the cluster. Yes. It's in your it looks like it's right in the meat too. That's the thing. Is it it's, it's not like on the bone, you know what I mean? It's it, it looks you can see it's clearly in the the, the flesh. It's in the and, muscle. Yeah, it's not.
2: <laughs> the, the radiologist said, you know, he, the radiologist kind of wigged out about that too. He said uh he said I've never seen bone tissue sprout in the middle of a muscle before. Right. Much much less multiple times and then arrange themselves in a symmetrical pattern. He said mm-hmm. that that's, that's that's pretty darn unusual.
0: Yeah. And then in the second photo that I'm showing people here, I'm assuming this x-ray is the the x-ray that you were able to get through this physician to, to kind of show that. Uh, we'll I'll let you proceed here. I'm just letting people see that there's a before and after.
2: Yeah, yeah. The uh, the thing, like I say, the, the square structure with the wires attached to it that, that used to be above my knee that I woke up and found was gone. Um, then I went and got the x-ray. I dropped the x-rays off at that... Uh, at the chiropractor's office. He was busy. I just left him for him. And he called me that night at dinner, after dinner, you know, and he said, uh, well, you got your x-rays. You saw them, I guess. I said, yeah, you know, I'm not a radiologist, but I could see that the thing that was there isn't there anymore. And he said, yeah, but did you see they left you something? And I said, no. And he said, well, swing by the office and I'll, I'll show you. Um, so they, they left two wires in my body. And they're still there. They're parallel with my femur. They're about a centimeter long and they're like right next to one another. They're really hard to see. Um, yeah.
0: I've got it zoomed in for the picture so people can kind of see. It just looks, looks like can. a white blur. I you know. Really need
2: to see, <laughs> you really need to see the x-ray film uh, to get a clear picture of it. And we experimented with all kinds of photography and it just never did get right. Um, but there are two pieces of wire there. And I asked this doctor, I said, you know, hey, look, if these things are so advanced, why would they be so inept as to leave two wires in my body? Hmm. And he says, yeah, you don't get it. He says, they don't do anything by accident. He said, they they, they probably swapped out. That's probably the 2017 model of the 1977
0: <laughs> model they pulled out of you. you know. <laughs> upgraded it. <her. laughs> we got upgraded, Yeah. Well, I think that's... Uh, first of all, Mike, do you have any questions about that before I kind of lead into some of mine and, and, and jump back um, here a little?
1: Yeah, actually, the uh, I, you didn't show the pictures, and for some reason I couldn't get it to pull up on this other computer of the actual puncture uh, marks. So, so, like, was it like a needle, or was this like a significant hole?
2: It was a significant um, hole. It was... It was uh,
0: uh oh here we go Mike Let's see if this works let me know if it starts to share now and I'll... is it shared yeah, for right now
2: there's some bruising around the bruising that wasn't there the first day the the bruising took about 24 36 hours to manifest
0: it is, is it is sharing it is sharing, sharing now okay yeah. here is the first one now Terry can you see what I'm sharing as well right now or no
2: I can't, but if you give me a description, I'll okay. I'll pick up it's right it's the
0: first one. It has the what I am taking was probably the original cluster because it's a it's it's back uh, behind the I think that's the fibia, and it's it's like a little cluster here, a clover leaf kind of looking thing, uh, right in the, in the muscle itself. Yes, um, and that so I am taking it. That was prior to you uh, getting the second one that showed it being basically gone. What we thought was gone originally, correct?
2: Well, no, the thing above my knee. The square structure is gone. That uh, florette pattern in the middle of my calf muscle, that's still there. That stuff's all still oh, there untouched. Oh, my goodness. Untouched.
0: I had the back. So, okay. So, you are right. I got what you're saying. So, maybe in the ones you sent me, we didn't have the original one that showed the image um, above the knee. Because uh, I, I definitely have this one. It shows that fluorescent kind of back in the muscle area. Um, but yeah. That's my
2: bad. My mistake. Sorry. That's, no, no, no. No
0: worries at all. Uh, but th- that's amazing because I thought that that was gone and I thought the only thing that was left was, I'll share the next photo here. Um, this one right here. Now this might, is this one, if, I don't know if it's showing for you or not, but it's got a piece of paper, like a little sticky note with an arrow pointing at that little line. Is that? Yeah, is that's,
2: that? That's, that's the two wires above my knee. Oh, okay. Uh, but, uh, like I say that the quality is so bad that it's just pixelated out. Um, yeah. But those, those two wires are still in my body.
0: So those are still there as well as the little fluorescent cloverleaf looking thing in the back of your calf muscle, Correct. upper calf. Wow. That's right. Very interesting. I, I, mean, I didn't know. I really thought that that's what had disappeared. I was like, too bad that wasn't. Not that it sounds terrible to say it that way, Terry. I apologize. I don't mean that no, no, too no. bad that that's still there. But even for yourself, like I imagine when you come forward and you say you tell the story, you know it, you have one of the cases you have a very unique case um and and a a, much to um your own pain and grief that you went through that left physical evidence to to back what you're saying you know what i mean this is not everybody gets that and so i I imagine it's both a blessing and a curse and i can really see why you wanted this out too to 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 show people listen here look at this look (laughs) it's right here you know
2: yeah, you know, and and I, I got to tell you, my my uh, attitude about this entire thing has softened somewhat over forty three years, and that is that you know, back when I was twenty two years old, and they they took me and uh, all these things happened, um, I was I was pretty angry about it, um, but you know, I I got to look at it uh, like this, and that is that, you know, they didn't kill me, you know. Mm. <laughs> um, it wasn't a torture session. Uh, the it was it had a medical clinical type vibe to it. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, I don't uh, I don't harbor any ill will toward them anymore. Uh, I got you. I uh, I wish I knew their agenda. Yeah. I wish I knew the why. Um, but uh, you know.
0: Well. It's it's funny that you kind of bring up some of that because I feel like it's a great segue into to one of my first questions, which I know we just put a lot on you guys out there right now. We're we're gonna circle back to this. We will, I promise. Um, but I would love to dive into, like you said, for me, what was a deeper part of the book besides the actual experience itself, um, which was your childhood. And you know, I, you kind of described your childhood as being a relatively normal childhood and the growing up in the time and era that you were in. Um, but the, we obviously have these incidents where you started having these these night terrors or nightmares with with what you referred to as the monkey men, and, and kind of my question in relation to that was: did did the monkey men or did monkeys in general mean anything to you? You know what I mean? Was there some other tie that why they maybe manifested, or and we'll, we'll get into all that? But you had these night terrors of of there were you know what for years? It sounds like for a couple of years this was something. This wasn't a you oh, know yeah. a week no, no. of yeah. no no.
2: This was a long time uh, occurrence, and it would. Uh... You know, I either wake up screaming and wake up, wake up the entire household, or um, sometimes I would just go with them. And as far as, the, you know, I, I think that these things, um, let me back up. I kind of found myself uh, inadvertently in the role of a researcher, and I never intended for that to happen, but I did. What I did was in the back of Incident at Devil's Den, I, I gave a email address and I said, "Look, mm. I'm not a doctor or a therapist, but if you've had an experience, I'd love to hear about it." And I thought maybe a couple hundred people write me, right? And yeah. I've got 1,600 plus emails as of <laughs> today. Yeah. <laughs> but what's amazing is I saw monkeys. You know, I saw mm. these little mo- like circus monkeys, and they seem benign. They seem kind of comical, actually. Yeah. I've had people write me and say. Uh, you know and it's and it's interesting because all these letters i get from people start the same they all start with now please don't think i'm crazy i know this is going to sound nuts you know this, this kind of yeah and then they tell me these amazing stories but i've had people write to me and say that they saw owls as a, as a child uh, in their room uh orbs of light uh deer uh there was a kid down in el paso i spoke with him and his he and his mother over the phone who saw a raccoon pardon me a possum Mm. A possum walking on hind legs like a man in his room that spoke to him telepathically. And uh, the mother walked in and all she saw was a ball of white light that Mm. as soon as she walked in the room, shot through the screen and was gone. Uh, My cousin, I had a cousin down in Arkansas. The same time I'm going through this thing with the monkeys, Mm. I got a cousin who's also age eight at the time. Who'd been terrified by uh, little two and a half foot tall clowns? Huh.
1: See well, I, that one, I I, I understand. <laughs> like, two and a half foot clowns, I'd be freaked out too. Uh,
0: uh, that's it. I'm going to tell you right now. That was for me. Um, we'll, and we'll, we'll keep going, I guess. So we establish this we're having these night terrors this is not something that went on lately this is something like you say was bothering the household and, and please you guys get the book do the audio version whatever works for you um uh, but you you talked about in the book how it was actually becoming disruptive enough that your parents were having conversations about it like we got to do something something's got to end this right and so they go get the magical fix right your dad pulls out the special fix and, and at the time did you really think that that was I mean, was that almost making it more real in your head? Were you questioning it as a child? Were you like, "Man, is this a dream? Is this not?" Because now, Dad's pulling out the monkey tape. You know, is this? <laughs> you know, it's got to be real.
2: You know, my my dad. <laughs> I'm amazed. You know, I mean, I'm dumbfounded. My dad walks in and he says, "I got your monkey problem solved." And I said, "I have i got the anti-monkey tape." He said, "You know, they make tape. They make special tape for <laughs> for experiences like this. And what does it, it just keeps them away." And he says, "I can seal up your room tonight, and you won't be bothered with them anymore." Hmm. And I'm like, "Holy cow!" And my first thought was, "Man, that's great. Why didn't they tell me that you know a year ago?"
3: <laughs> yeah. And my
2: second thought was, "Wait a minute. Wait a minute here. If they make tape for this stuff, that validates that validates the uh, the story. Hmm. You know, that's my credibility."
3: Yeah. So
0: and I, then I, I
2: caught then I found it in the garage and realized it was, you
0: know, <laughs> <laughs> just some duct tape
2: or something. <laughs> yeah, you know.
0: Oh man. Well, uh another question I had too is um when when it has to do with the um uh, with the first one that you see, because you had an incident as a child beyond the, the, the nightmares. You had an actual incident where you were out, you were target practice. Like you said, talk about a different time and era, right? You're out with the bow and arrow. You're just, you know, t- having a good time, right? And then you have an incident then. Do you mind, you mind talking about that you know, a little?
2: Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to. This was the first time I saw anything that I could classify as extraterrestrial. Hmm. And I was in my backyard, in St. Louis City, and it's an urban environment. Uh, it's a Saturday it's a beautiful day, blue skies, uh, you know, 2 o'clock in the afternoon,
4: mm.
2: uh, neighborhoods full of people cutting grass, hanging up laundry, you know, dogs and cats and kids and cars and, you know, all the noise of the neighborhood. And uh, I'm shooting arrows into this bale of hay, you know. <laughs> why would you, why you would give an 8-year-old uh, an arrow, <laughs> a bow and arrow at the, you know, just, well, not with my kids, I wouldn't, but <laughs> anyway. I'm looking down and I'm loading an arrow into this thing. and as I do, I saw this perfectly circular shadow move across my feet and I instinctively looked up. And when I did, there's this beautiful uh, it was beautiful to me. it was weird it it struck me as being um, you know the same kind of feeling you get if you look at a new alpha Romero sports car on a showroom floor. Mm. And you look at it and you're just like, oh, that's that's really cool. That's yeah. you know. uh, it hit, It didn't frighten me in the least. I looked up at it and I, I thought it was just awesome. And I'm you know, I put together model airplanes as, ki- as a kid, so I'm looking for seams or rivets or anything. Um, but the significant thing was the neighborhood was loud, and as soon as I laid eyes on this thing, it was like I had both of my hands pushed against my ears. And the sounds of the neighborhood went kind of muffled. And the, the light hair on my arm, I had fine hair on my forearms, that stood up. And I i don't remember actually laying down, but I remember having the thought, if I lie down and look up, uh, I'll be able to get a better view of it.
3: Hmm.
2: And Lorian Fenton told me, she says, you know, the reason you don't remember laying down is they probably took you up and then dropped you back down. <laughs> Thanks, that's Lauren. Why you, you know, that's I'll sleep well tonight. Like...
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that was my next question, so it's perfect you kind of hit on that, because that was kind of the question tied into that, was uh, do you think that, you know, in that moment, because when you wrote it and you tell the story, that's there's that moment where you're kind of, you're uncertain, and then, hey, I'm just looking up at this thing now, you know, yeah. and you're relaxed, and it, I don't know.
2: <clears throat> yeah, so, you know, and I... And I I didn't understand why my parents wouldn't believe me. You know, I'm eight years old, but I'm a straight kid. You know, I never told lies. I never made up stories. Hmm. And my mother's like, I don't know what you saw, Terry, but it was not a, not a flying saucer. I don't think UFO was part of our lexicon at the time. I mean. Yeah, they hadn't saucer.
0: implemented that that precursor and that word right there. That was, this was when people were still calling them what they were and what they were seeing. <laughs> that's right.
2: That's right. And, and you know, and. She told me, you know, what you saw was a jet. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. It was a flying saucer. And she's like, here, draw me a picture of what you saw. I said, sure. I drew a, drew a circle and handed it back to her. <laughs> That's what I saw. Um, and she sent me to my room. And my dad comes home, right? And we're going to get to talk, you know. And I didn't have a great relationship <laughs> with my dad. Uh, but he walked in and he said, what's all this business about flying saucers? And uh, I was always correcting his grammar, which really, really kicked him <laughs> off. <you know? laughs> so I I said uh, actually it was plural not plural dad it was singular there was only one flying saucer and you know that didn't kick things off to a good start and he says you know Terry you can't tell people that you saw a flying saucer they'll think there's something wrong with you and then more significantly he said they'll think there's something wrong with us yeah and you know 1963 that's that whole 60s um, conformity Mm -hmm. mentality um so three years later, I saw another one. I never told a soul. I was I was in my bedroom on the second floor of our uh, of our building uh, and the uh, second floor of the house. A bitter, bitter cold January night. and I saw these lights coming in through my window. You know, jumped out of bed and I went over to the window thinking it was a fire truck or something. And I, uh, it was a draughty old house. I pulled back this heavy curtain and I looked through the Venetian blinds. And here, right outside my window, I mean, I could open the window and step on top of the thing. Is this same 20-foot diameter flying saucer? I mean, it's it's right there. It's like docked right on my right on the uh, brick of my house, and it's got this huge cloud of steam underneath it. Hmm. And in the middle, there's a dome, and that's where the flashing lights are coming from. And all I could think of was, you know. Well, I thought this is pretty cool, but I thought, (laughs) you know, this means that what I saw three years earlier wasn't just a one on, you know, they didn't make a wrong turn in Albuquerque and and end up over my house, (laughs) you know, and and now they're back to see me and that's for a reason. And I actually felt kind of smug about that, you know. I kind of felt like, yeah, well, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, come see, come to at, see me
0: at this time. Your your font, things had gotten serious serious enough between you and your family or your parents there that they actually took you to a physician to to be like, hey, we got to fix this. What's going on with the kids seeing stuff, right? So, I mean, I remember in the book you you wrote that you said that, that it gave you some validity in that moment of, you know, what I I wasn't crazy because that that doctor is you had a lovely name for him and you felt
2: <laughs> you had a great relationship <laughs> with
0: him. <laughs> um. So yeah, I imagine it was know, quite a moment for yourself too.
2: Well, you know what, this doctor—he uh, sent my dad out of the room and he said, "You know, son, I'm here for your health. I'm here to help you.
3: Hmm.
2: Now, tell me what happened." So I thought, "Can I trust this guy?" Uh, yeah, I think I can. I'm going to trust him. So I told him the truth. I told him what I saw, and he says, "Nah, it's okay." He calls my dad back in the room, and he's like, "What kind of TV is he watching?" And my dad's like, I don't know, you know. Um, <laughs>
0: yeah, I probably wouldn't know. I'm working. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. You
2: know, so, so my, uh, but my, my mother knew. You know, he watches Space Ghost and Lost in Space, and mm. you know, and he's the doctor's like, well, you got to change his television habits, and mm. uh, that's what that's that's the whole genesis of this whole problem. So I go home. I'm only allowed to watch now. Um, they want me to watch the Three Stooges. <laughs> yes. So. so I'm watching The Three Stooges. And after four weeks of nonstop molarity and curling, my dad comes in and says, uh, Why don't you watch something else? <laughs> I don't know. What do I watch? And he turns on Perry Mason he says, Watch this. This is a good story.
0: Uh, go, All right. Very right.
2: good. So shaped Mason. my entire career for me right there. There you go. Right That's- there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's WeHead, man. That brings back a memory now, uh, early, early 2000s, AMC, you know, used to run all the old reruns and stuff, and they, they had a special where they were like, we're running all the Stooges hits right from back in the day, and then never again, no more after this. And I remember when my parents and us, we went out and we got VHS. And at first, like you said, the first couple of days, great, especially with younger kids, slapsticks, hilarious. But then, man, you get to like, like you're saying, week four. <laughs> man, you're starting to realize it's the same story. They're just getting a little bit older, and maybe it's a different role from one or two, but they're starting to be the same thing over and over. So. Yeah. And so this moment with the Venetian curtain, then that—that that was your moment that realized I'm—I'm I'm not crazy, and, and what I seen is what I seen.
2: I, I did. That—that uh, that really was a, um, you know, that was a um, a big moment in my life. And then I had eleven years of peace and quiet after that. I, yeah. I wouldn't. I was eleven years old when I saw that. Another eleven years would pass before I had my second encounter, and that would have been when I was twenty-two years old and um, an NCO in the Air Force.
0: Yeah. When that was, I had only one other question before, it, and that's exactly where I was going with it. Is uh, the the poem that you wrote? Did anybody, or even yourself, question that? You know, the the, the poem that you read in the book. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, that poem that was a lot I, and maybe you and i can talk about it after this or I'll email you. but that 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 was a lot i had to actually it sounds ridiculous and it sounds crazy but i had to actually stop it for a minute and like just just to process it and like sit down because it, it legitimately bothered me like hearing it bothered me and could i, uh, could
2: I read it for your audience uh,
0: certainly yeah because i minutes. yeah if you've got it with you i would and maybe for anybody that's going to listen to this too because i i went back and i listened to it a couple times and i know it sounds crazy or whatever but um, it it's it was one of those things that when you hear these words and then you realize that I, I want to say and Terry correct me how old were you when you wrote this poem?
2: Eighteen. I just turned you eighteen. Turned, I was, was still in high school. This was this okay. Was that's what I was High school literature class. Yeah. I got an A, of course.
0: There you go. And that's I was, I was <laughs>
2: uh, You know, I I uh, I've read this often enough now. It doesn't. It doesn't do it anymore. But I I hadn't seen this poem. Uh, It was in a storage locker. And Hmm. I hadn't seen this poem in years and years and years, for 30 years. And when I found it again and read it, I just, uh, sometimes when I read it, I I tear up. It's just intense. Anyway, this is called Four Grinning Monkeys. Shadows from the hallway crept into my room. Long the monkey men, too, I assume. Never before in life had I seen a creature that grinned before I could scream. A candle's flame dances before it grows dim. One monkey man's shadow has slowly crept in on his knees and with ease. He is perched on the edge of my bed, if you please. The silence was broken one inch from my ear as the monkey man whispered, My boy, I'm right here. Now monkeys were four and were masked to deceive children or even grown men, if you please. I started to tremble and covered my head, but the monkeys, all four, crept close to my bed. Outside of my covers, four peeled with delight. These monkey men here, will they take me this night? Faces with grins approach and say, Terry, won't you come with us and play? Come with us now, give us your hand, and we'll take you to an unbelievable land. You may not remember the last time or when, But come with us now, and you'll see it again. But I said, I know you are not what you seem, and if you are real, then why can't I scream? This night the monkey men take me with ease, and I'm but a terrified child, if you please. These things are not men that are born on this earth. Near a star to the west is the place of their birth. It matters not what I do or say tonight. like the others they'll take me away. Where shall we go? How long must I stay? Tell me, you four. Tell me now, I do pray. We're going home, Terry. There's no reason for gloom. See that star over there just east of your moon? We traverse great distance, pick you up, and we're gone. To return you to bed before breaks the dawn. We must take from you blood and things we do need. Many entities one day will be born of your seed. When I'm taken away, can my mom hear my calls across all of space, through brick and through walls? Will she think that I'm lost or been seized from my bed? Will she worry I suffer or fear I am dead? She'll cry and sob while we go and play if I don't return before dawn breaks the day. And when I return, will I come back whole or will sinister deeds take some terrible toll? We'll soon arrive, At the place we do dwell, you'll see it is neither a heaven nor hell. A place with two suns lights our day. A place that is different, but also the same. The years have passed quickly as life slips my grasp. Pray tell me, why did you hurt me, I ask. From earth you take away women and men, to tag us and track us, toward what an end. We are sentient beings that feel self-aware. But you are just monkeys, and monkeys don't care. As a child, I had no voice to say what may come to pass on some future day. I have the need and right to know what was done to me so many years ago. Surely you knew that one day I'd be grown, no longer helpless, no longer alone. Did you not believe that I'd live to confess the memories you stole and failed to suppress? So flawed was your sinister plan ill-conceived, that others first scoffed but then came to believe. I swear by all that is holy and all that is right, the next time you come and take me at night, when four little monkeys crouch near my bed, I'll take my revolver and shoot them all dead.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> i tell you, man, I, 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 like every time I, uh, <clears throat> I don't know how to explain it. It's, uh, it's getting better, but like, I, as strange as it sounds, like I said that first time, it, I was talking to Ben about it, I had to turn it off. Like, it, it, I don't usually get anxiety, I don't get anything like that, but it, I had like a tightness in my chest, started listening to it. And then I was like, I'm going to listen to this because this is ridiculous. And then I went through it and kept listening to it. And and now it's more of just, you know, like I, I get goosebumps. or I, You know, there's still parts to it that when I hear it, and I don't know why, and him and I have talked a little bit about it, but I, I can't imagine for yourself coming back across this. I mean, that's it's 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 interesting now because now knowing what we know and is is our audience is going to know by the end of this evening you seem to have uh, subconsciously have some insight into what was going on even at 18 you know what i mean there was even though these these memories or dreams had been suppressed there was something there because that that that's pretty elaborate you know what i mean yes
2: yes uh, i think so i think so you know and it's one of the night the nightmares that's haunted my sleep for 43 years is uh when the when the monkey would hold out a paw, I was—I would take his hand. And, and, and uh, in this dream, I have this monkey holding out a paw, but it's not a paw. It's four long gray fingers. And for some reason, that just freaks me out. I wake up and I'm just absolutely terrified. Hmm. And I recognize the dream. Once the dream starts, I can't interrupt it or stop it. It has to run its course. Yeah. So...
3: Yeah, that's...
0: I I I can definitely I know everybody do, you know try, has their own opinion about dreams, but when it comes to dreams and childhood stuff and it was stuff that my parents went through too, it and it could have just been dreams. We all have bad dreams, but I can relate to the whole idea of it, it, when, like you said, when it starts, you can't stop it, and it's it's something that you. you what's weird is that you can, and I'm again I mentioned earlier I'm only going to be 30 this year, so I'm not that far removed from my childhood, but. I don't remember what I was doing in a given year when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Let alone whatever. But then these dreams, where you recall certain memories, and they're like for yourself, you can tell when you talk about this stuff. It's you're still in that. You know what I mean? It's like you're living that moment again. You're not. It's it's not something you're just recalling as a memory. It's a very pronounced to the front. Uh, memory, you know, it's it's seared in there.
2: It's- it, it is, you know, I and mean, I I don't remember the va- family vacations or the Christmases anymore. That's all long gone, you know. Mm. Who was at my birthday party? I couldn't tell you.
4: <laughs> yeah, um, know, right?
2: But 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 this stuff is as fresh in my mind today as it was uh, the day it happened. And uh, I had you know I had a whole people whole bunch of people write to me and say you know I had this stupid dream when I was four years old. I don't know what it means. And uh, you know they're they're sixty, they're seventy now. And uh, mm. to this day, I've had this dream in the back of my head all this time, and I don't know what it means, and yeah. maybe it means nothing, but uh, I can't get rid of it.
3: Mm.
2: And um, I laid out demographics. I took all 1,600 of those and and did an Excel spreadsheet looking for commonality among people like that have experienced things like me. Yeah. And what I found is that people that had one of these vivid – even lucid dreams as a child that they that they remember throughout an entire lifetime are more likely to have seen or experienced flying saucers or had some type of interaction with non-human entities like i had so there seems to be some kind of connection with that with that vivid dream that vivid memory yeah. uh, or at least that's what the data shows
0: so. I love that you did that too, by the way, having a data point. Because <laughs> otherwise, this stuff can be, it gets to be so much that, you know, when you're talking about it and you're in it, it makes sense. But if you don't, you know, I'm not here to convince anybody, never have been, you know. But when you're no. sharing that information, it's it's pertinent to have it. And if you have it, then okay, present evidence that that, that, that defeats this. Then it proves that I'm wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? That all I'm doing is tracking. It's the best thing you can do. So.
2: It is. It is, and I, and I agree with you. That that's the right mindset. I've never had been on a campaign to convince anyone of anything. Right. I had a guy walk up to me at UFO Congress, and he's like, "All right, convince me." <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm like, "Look, pal, I'm not, I'm not here to convince anybody of anything." You know. Uh,
0: I can't even imagine. I've never gone to a UFO con. I was going to right before the, you know the magnificent 2020, and uh, I was going to go to actually one Lorian was having. I was, was there. Yeah, I know. I would have been able to meet you, Ben and Joe, and like all these people I wanted to to meet in person. And uh, but I, and in the back of my head, I'll admit there was, and it's because of Hollywood and the projection that they've given. But sometimes you're like. It's going to be a good time one way or the other. There's, there's got to be some unique individualistic people at those events, I can imagine. So, so uh, But moving along here in the story, um, the next thing I kind of had was, uh, I now in the story, you jump right to you and Toby meeting, and I would love to get into that, but are you, know, you guys working together? But I'd love to know how you guys met. I mean, I know obviously you served together, you worked night shift, working as an EMT, you know, Mike, you can obviously relate to working the night shift, everybody's favorite shift in the world to work, right? That's a... Uh, I don't mind it at the moment.
2: Yeah, mm. you know, I, we, we liked it, actually. Uh, we were the only two guys in the hospital squadron that were amenable to it. Mm. Uh, and, I, you know, I was taking night classes in psychology uh, during the afternoons. So that, that freed me up to go to class and I could do my homework at night because unless we were first responders, we drove an ambulance. So unless we had a call, you know, we just sat around the emergency room, did our homework or played cards and my uh my friend toby was just obsessed with the night sky yeah and his goal was to uh, attend uh university of michigan in ann arbor and get a degree in physics and then go on to uh cosmology or astronomy and he he was a gifted mathematician it's a shame he didn't have the opportunity to fulfill that dream but but that's why he worked the night shift and uh, we found out we got along you know we were kind of known in the squad. I don't think the word "nerds" was used back then either. So, <laughs> you know, I think "bookish" or or something something uh, with an expletive. I don't know. But we, you know, we 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 fit together. You know. So uh, yeah, we were a good. We were a good team, and uh, that's that's how I met my friend Toby. And we were both married, recently mm-hmm. married. And uh, his wife and my wife were both friends. Uh, we lived on base in NCO housing, just a couple blocks from one another. So. On our free time, we'd barbecue or or play cards or something. So, uh, yeah, it was nice. You know, life was good up up until (laughs) 1977 kind of threw things uh, sideways, but.
0: Right. Well, and that was one of the things that, I mean, I clearly, I love that you obviously related that in the book that, you know, you guys had this family, you know, a, a real friendship outside of just work. And that's great if you can have it. If you have somebody that you have a friendship with and you work with them, that's awesome. Um, but then you had this particular evening where you guys are responding to, to an emergency call and you're, you're driving out there and you guys are just doing your normal routine. You're driving, right. And he's got the music going do you think that that incident, responding to this gentleman with the broken ink watch, I know you didn't know what was going to happen at the time, pulling up. You guys, you guys could face anything, right? When you're just responding to the call, uh, I think now they get a little more information, but I'm sure back in the day, you guys are just who knows what you're walking into, right? And, I, and they still probably yeah, pretty always much, know. right? Yeah. But when you guys are doing this, do you think it was just by happen chance that this happened? This particular incident that I'm going to have you discuss took place, or do you think there was some weird that's used in the book, you know, right on time for an appointment kind of deal? Because to me, that was pretty significant.
2: You know that, that that was, but that that was two years earlier. That was 1975. Okay, and uh, we hadn't been working together all that long.
3: Okay, um,
2: but Toby and I both were not naive. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I think we were, were were more savvy maybe than our peers, but um, we knew something was off because we got this call that this guy. Broken an ankle, but we yeah we didn't get uh, we get a little usually got a little more information than that.
0: Yeah, that's pretty
2: vague. So pretty vague. (laughs) So when we drove out, um, and this was a missile silo, a launch control facility, and um, those were scattered out all over the countryside. You Hmm. know, they didn't want them on a base. They didn't want them clumped together. You know, for survive nuclear survivability, they had to have them dispersed. So we went to the we went to the site. And I think I, I put a picture of Kilo 5, I put a picture of the launch control facility in the, in the book or on it, terrylovelace.com. Mm-hmm. It's not much to see. It's a chain link fence and a little dome, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the way they like there.
0: it, right? That's the way they like to keep it, very uh, low, low profile. Low <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, low key. And uh, we, uh, we, we're, we're driving there, and we're about a mile away, and we can see this weird orange glow on the horizon. And uh, there's a roadblock, and a security policeman there blocking our way. And he he sees it's us, and he pulls his car forward. And I roll my window down, and I said, "Hey, man, what's up at Kilo 5? And he says, "I don't know. They just got me out here. I'm stuck out here. I don't have a clue." Standing in the cold. <laughs> so, yeah. So he was in his warm car. I'm sure he was supposed to be outside. Standing oh, that's there right. Those again. are the
0: ones that you said that we're yeah. sitting in there. That's right. <laughs> so
2: we we rolled up, and here's this. Uh, I think he was a captain, to be honest with you. I'm not sure if he was the first lieutenant or a captain, but I think he was a captain, hmm. standing there. Um, and uh, he walks over to the ambulance and says, all right, pull your ambulance over here, park it, uh, stay off the radio. Uh, nobody goes in or goes out until I say so. Uh, hmm. and you got it? And I, uh, yes, sir, whatever. You know, we pull over, we park, park the ambulance. My friend Toby, uh, who's a little bit impulsive, says, man, I got to see what's going on. Because obviously, something's going on because it's not just a guy that fell and broke his ankle. Yeah. There are 12 security police cars here. And, you know, everyone's got their engine running. So, there's this giant cloud of uh, of exhaust. exhaust. <laughs> and and it's, it's four degrees outside. Yeah. And everybody's got their overhead flashers going. Mm-hmm. So, it just makes this big orange kind of pulsating cloud
3: yeah. over
2: the whole facility. And that was kind of eerie. Um, but he, uh, we, Toby gets out of the out of out of the ambulance and he goes and I can't see what's going on because the inside of the windows are frosting up. Hmm. And he comes around and he opens my door and he grabs me by the shoulder and starts to pull me out of the ambulance. He says, "Man, you got to see this." I'm like, wait, "Wait, wait, 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 wait! Let me grab my parka." Uh, you know, Kevin said we're not supposed to go. He's like, "Come on, man, you got to see this." So I'm like, "All right." So I pull on my parka, I walk out. I'm standing right next to this captain. Hmm. You know, I'm violating his order, right? <laughs> yeah. Pretty I'm big deal in the
0: military. <laughs>
2: yeah. You know, and, and I'm looking around, and then I see it. And over, maybe 50 feet over the uh, cap on the launch tube, there's this thing that looks very much like what you see in, uh, what was seen in Rendlesham.
3: Mm. Okay.
2: I call it a black diamond because it had... Uh, it was matte black and it had multi facets on it. It was made out of, uh, out of out of metal that was like I don't know. It looks like like Elon Musk truck with a few more uh, <laughs> curves in it or something. Now
0: was this the is this the cover of the book by the way or is that is that no. later? Okay, because I thought there was no, it might there's no something picture bizarre.
2: of that. Uh, my friend Toby drew an excellent picture of that, and I wish I had it. He had the presence of mind to count, actually count the facets, you know, the different panels on the side of the thing. So he did a pretty good rendition of it. Um,
0: but it and, was kind of diamond shaped, a little.
2: It was diamond shaped, absolutely, okay. and it uh, about the size of a full size van. Hmm. And there were no seams, no bolts, no uh, markings, nothing. It was just, you know looked like just metal. And it was lit up really well because all the, all the uh, cars had a searchlight and everybody had their searchlight on it. Hmm. And it's just weird because, you know, your mind, you look at this and you want to look for wires or something. It's just yeah. hard to comprehend this thing being suspended. You know, it defies the law of gravity. It's just crazy. And we didn't think it was extraterrestrial at all. We, right. we thought it was we thought it was either, you know, uh, from the Soviets or it was uh, one of ours or something. Right. This and is
0: we, the heat of the, the, you know, the big, uh, what do you oh call yeah. it, between us and Russia at the time.
2: <clears throat> yeah, Cold War. Yeah. We, we saw this thing. While we're watching it, it suddenly, without any warning, shot from zero to 500 miles an hour and zoomed away. And... Uh, Captain looks at me with this big grin on his face, kind of like, did you see what I just saw? (laughs) And uh, I'm smiling, and I'm like, wow. And uh, then he snaps back. We each snap back into our respective roles. Right, yeah. Go get me the ambulance. And and, uh, we picked up our guy and and took him back to the base. And uh, the only thing that was unusual about that is when we got back to the base, the hospital commander wanted to see both of us. And it wasn't normal for him to be there at 4.30 a.m. in full uniform, you know. Um, And he took us into his office. We knew the guy. He's actually a good guy. And he said, "Um, can I see your report? And I said, yes. And I handed him my report from the run. And uh, it was what we call a clean report. I didn't write anything except what what was to do with the medical aspect Mm. of it. Yeah. I didn't say, you know, there was a... (laughs) UFO-sized, full size van. You know, I didn't didn't say anything like that. Yeah. So, but interestingly, he made a copy. He made three copies of my report. Hmm. And he slid, he took one copy and slid the rest, including the original, into his desk. He took a black magic marker and he redacted the times uh, on the copy. Uh, the time that we left, the time that we arrived at the scene and the time that we got the time that we left and the time that we arrived back at the hospital, all, all those four kind of important times, uh, he redacted for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, and then he said, you know, boys, what you saw out there was a helicopter. You understand? Um, a helicopter. It's, a, uh, it's a, it's a helicopter. That's a prototype. And we're like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, uh, he says, and it's, and it's, it's, it's secret. So you can't tell anybody. And I said, we're all, yes, sir. And he says, I know you, I know you're bright kids. I know you're good, I know you're good guys. I know you won't go out and run your mouths.
4: Hmm.
2: Yes, sir. And, we got. We couldn't wait to tell everybody we knew. <laughs> oh my god! I we know that's.
0: <laughs> well, that was one of my. That was actually where my, my next question is. It was two things that is funny to happen that. So right after you guys finish this conversation, right, as you're walking out. You see the gentleman who you guys took to the hospital, who had broken his ankle, handcuffed to the bed. Right? Uh, was he handcuffed or was he? He wasn't
2: handcuffed. He wasn't he handcuffed. Being, he he was, was being. He was being pretty harshly interrogated by the. Right? By the he was. Uh, <laughs>
0: The oh uh, yeah, what is your guys is for the army? They're a separate division from like NCIS and all that. There,
2: yeah, NCIS, is, NCIS is to the Navy as the OSI, OSI or Office of Special Investigations is to the Air Force. So yeah, the only guy they were interrogating was the guy that was stuck in a building and couldn't see a thing. <laughs> so he never saw anything. <laughs>
0: That's so bad. Here you guys are. Well, probably I'm sure you told your wife as soon as you got home, right? Oh, you know, yeah, wait. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you
0: know I mean. Well, that was my next question, is do you think that somehow, with you guys telling family or maybe uh, a couple other friends, I don't know if you did or you didn't, somehow got back around to a CEO or back to around to these guys, the OCIS, is, it, is that possible? Do you ever thought about that?
2: Anything's possible, but you know, I, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I think that this was a self-contained uh, event that mm. wasn't related to anything. It wasn't related. To, those two events aren't related, I don't think. Okay. Could be wrong. It's just an assumption on my right. part.
0: Now, what about when uh, Toby called you outside to see the strange lights? Because as you just mentioned a minute ago, he was a gifted mathematician, and he also had a great eye for astronomy, and it was his passion. And there was one particular evening where he felt compelled enough to call you out where you guys were in your office. So have, have you he thought did. back on that? Has that been something that bugged you every once in a while?
2: You know, it, it does. Um, but I, I wonder, too, you know, could it have been a satellite? Could it have been a, uh, an aircraft? Uh, granted it, it wasn't anything that I'd seen in the year before.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, Toby was pretty excited about it because he thought it was unusual. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I didn't see it as up to, as being all that important or all that, you know, he was way more excited about it than I was.
0: Right. So. Fun fact about Toby, by the way, guys, he's, uh, from, was from Flint, Michigan, right? Not, not yes. too far from where I'm at. <laughs> That's i I'm pretty sure, Mike, you know where Flint's at, right? A little bit general
1: idea uh yeah general idea, general not, idea yeah. i don't go to everybody flint, knows about so. flint now
0: for yeah not good reason yeah <laughs> no, I, 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 I avoid about. flint uh well let's move into what what really caused you to end up having this experience in and writing the book which was toby brings up this idea about camping right hey let's just you and i not the family none of that just you and i let's let's go out and just we got a four-day weekend come up let's go camping It'll be a cheap easy way to kind of go hang out and have a good time so what <laughs> What kind of led into that, I guess?
2: You know, he made a good argument for that uh, because when he brought it up, he says, uh, you know, his words were, hey, man, I got an idea. Let's go camping. Hmm. And I'm like, camping? Are you nuts? I mean, I, I mean, I, I was from St. Louis. I'd never been camping in my life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was from Flint. I suspected that he had never been camping in his life. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, what's, what's, what's up with this idea, man? And he yeah. says, wait, think about it. He knew that I was an amateur photographer. I got a little dark room set up in my in my house on base. And uh, I got a brand new Yoshika camera with all kinds of lenses and filters and crazy stuff. And I can't use it. Uh, because we live on a nuclear base. Yeah. And, you know, you can't walk around with, with a camera <laughs> on the roof. have pictures of <laughs> So he's like, you know, he says, look, you can you can come down and you can take pictures of wildlife. And uh, I want a place that's absolutely free of light pollution so I can get an unobstructed view of the night sky. And he said, you know, we'll go down and check it out if we like it. Next time we bring the old ladies, we all come down there and have fun and it'll be uh, cheap. Uh, my only counter argument was, you know, there, there are half a dozen uh, state and, and national parks within a half an hour of the base yeah, or less. Uh, and he's like, you know, well, you know, this this place is pretty special. It has this piece of high ground. And, uh, you know, isn't the road trip kind of part of the fun, too? And like, yeah, yeah, you got a point. You got a point. So we went. And uh, what's strange is, is that um, we were meticulous with the planning. Mm-hmm. And then the wheels fell off when it came to the execution. You know, we, we made lists. We assembled everything we needed. All we had to do was put everything in the car. Yeah. Uh, I forgot my camera bag. Yeah. I forgot my camp axe. I forgot the lantern my, my neighbor lent me. I forgot the the fuel that went with it. Uh, and I'm just not that inept. Yeah, You know, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, but that's what happened. And, you know, Toby had a camera. Toby mm. had a camera in his backpack. He forgot a bunch of stuff too. But, yeah. you know, we had enough stuff t- to get us through... What we needed to do, you know, we had a little tent we bought from Kmart, we had two inflatable air mattresses, he had a cooler full of uh, food and drink and water and uh, uh, we had some blankets from the hospital we borrowed and, uh, you know, and and then went down.
0: That's what's so puzzling to me about that too, because in the book you mentioned too that you guys you were well, you've mentioned at least for yourself that you were almost next to an obsession at one point. Like you got so obsessed with this trip that everybody in the everybody in the uh, on the campus there or, or that you were working with knew about it. You guys have been talking about it. I'm going on, I'm gonna take these Ansel like photos and I mean you guys have been planning this though too, so it's so funny, like you said that this meticulous planning and then the day of the trip where you just kinda the wheels fell off <laughs> to where, you know.
2: Yeah, I, I I look at back I look back at that and I, I think that and you'll see what I mean in a minute. But I think that speaks to the influence that these hmm. things can have over us. Uh, I mean, if I thought it was really that inept, I would I would admit it. <laughs> I, I don't think we were that inept. Uh, yeah. But whatever whatever it is, it is what it is. And uh, so we rode down anyway, and um, we we made an agreement that we weren't going to stay in a campground hmm. because. The light pollution would kind of screw with Toby's ability to see the night sky without light pollution. Yeah, And he's and he made a good point. He's like, look, if we stay in the campground, we're going to have people to the right of us, people to the left of us, you know, as children and other undesirables running around. And, yeah. you know, we'll, sacri- <laughs> we'll sacrifice electricity and, and water for, uh you know, we're going to be real outdoorsmen, right? Be yeah. Like Lewis and Clark.
0: Heck yeah. <laughs> Never gone so camping so before, but heck yeah, we're going to go... <laughs> Well, that was kind of my next question was that uh, for never camping before, why did you guys go so well far off the beaten path, which you just answered, um, obviously. But the other question I had, too, was why when you got there, when you you finally make the decision, you know what, we're just going to go because you were like three hours out. You were going to lose a bunch of time to go back and get the cameras and stuff. So you just said, let's go for it. You guys get there and you can feel yourself getting more and more excited. You're losing radio channels, right? We're driving through. the. I mean, this is down in Arkansas, right? So you're going through the Ozarks and everything. Yes. Yeah, so you're, Mike and I went out there, and it's, it's a whole other world, literally in the way it looks and in the culture. It's to this day is a different world to go to Arkansas. <laughs> and,
2: <laughs> and it's built up. I mean, when we were there, there was nothing there but yeah. sweeping fields and the farmhouses. So I right. can imagine what it's like today.
0: Yep. Yeah. So as you guys get there though, you're all excited, but why did you feel so inclined that right off the bat to go for that, uh, to go for that hike, right? Even though it was kind of against Toby's judgment, you know what I mean? You guys, you get there, you're starting to feel the excitement. Now you're there. This feels great. And then you just decided to go for this, this hike. You were, you know, so energized, you know, know? (laughs) like,
2: well, you know what I'm, I'm 22 years old. I'm in the best shape of my life. I get down there. I just drove six and a half hours hmm. and, um, I, you know, I wanted to stretch my legs. And uh, Toby's like, oh, we should set up camp first, you know. And, uh, you know, he, he was like that. He was always the, the, the you know, the, the responsible one. And, <laughs> you know, I'm like, look, we have plenty of time for that. Look, I, I, I want to stretch my legs. Let's go for a walk. Let's go for a hike. Let's check this place out, right? Yeah. Uh, and this is weird. I don't bring this up a lot in, um, in, um, in interviews. I usually... Uh, I usually focus more on the abduction incident itself, but I think that this is a significant event hmm. and that as we went for this this uh hike and uh we uh found this like limestone outcropping that had a canopy of trees covering it and some nice shade and uh we laid down on this rock uh just take a take a break right yeah uh we had a gallon jug gallon milk jug full of water and uh we had some water, and, uh, uh, you know, we just kind of kick back, and we're relaxing, and we both fell asleep. And I don't get that. Yeah. You know, 22-year-olds don't take naps.
0: Like, <laughs> Not generally. Know, four, you know,
2: six o'clock at night, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, for riding hours.
0: for six hours, too. Man, I just really wore out from just sitting there. You know, I just really need to take a break and go to sleep right here. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, there's
2: a difference in being tired and being sleepy. And should not we should not have been sleepy. So I don't don't recall any dreams. I don't know if anything happened to us. I don't have any evidence that anything did. I hope nothing didn't. Yeah. Or nothing did. But um but yeah, we left and uh it was it was uh, kind of getting twilight when we made the run back and I was afraid we'd get lost in the forest. But I, I knew that my friend had just the perfect he had an unerring sense of direction and he got okay. us back right as the sun was setting and uh we had to, you know, kind of scramble to get our tent put up, and uh, but we got got a tent put up, and we did all the fun stuff, you know, barbecue some hot dogs and did that, and put our air you, mattresses out.
0: As I was gonna say, I believe you burned them a little bit. I believe, if I remember. <laughs> well, you, well, you
2: know, I, I left my camp axe at home. Yeah, that's another so. thing. I had a steak knife that I found in the trunk of my car. I'm trying to use that to cut firewood. So I end up with this big pile of brush, right? Yeah. And that's what I'm going to barbecue hot dogs on. I tossed a match in that, and it went up like it was soaked in gasoline. <laughs> so yep. we knew it, was, it wasn't was going to burn more than about four minutes. So it was either burnt hot dogs or cold <laughs> hot dogs. Yep, that's the way it goes. So it was a bunch of missteps. But, you know, we were, we were kind of like... Uh, Rolling with it. We, we were having fun. We really were, um, despite all the weirdness. Um, and then this is where it gets, uh, where it got weird. And yeah. We're, we are on these air mattresses with uh, what's left of the campfire between us. And we're having conversation back and forth and just kind of having a good time. And there's a lull in our conversation. And I know this is going to sound cliche, and it's going to sound like something from a movie. But, you know, I've had a lot of people tell me they've experienced this too. And that is that the forest went quiet. Yeah. I mean, it went dead quiet on us. Uh, crickets, tree frogs, all the all the things in the forest that make sound were so loud that we had trouble carrying on a conversation across the campfire. We had to raise our voices. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden it's like, um, well, it wasn't only quiet, it was still. You know, we we had a nice little breeze going and then there's nothing and uh, it unnerved me it it did i i may have understated that in the book but um that unnerved me and yeah. i asked my friend you know of course like he's going to know is this normal <laughs> and, and he's like yeah you know look man we've been we've been laughing and cutting up and we've just quieted them they'll be back don't worry about it i don't know about that <laughs> okay all right sounds like he knows what yeah. he's talking about and uh and he's from Flint, so, you know. <laughs> 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 oh, so man. I try to put it out of my mind. And uh, but the bugs never did come back, by the way, never. And uh, hmm. we're talking and carrying on conversation. And something happened. He gets, he turns his head to the left, which was, I believe, the Western horizon. Okay. And he's focused on something. And I'm about to ask him, hey, what are you looking at? When he asked me, "Hey Terry, were those lights there before?" Hmm. and I'm like, "What lights? I mean, I knew we were in a remote location, and there were there were no lights anywhere. The only light we could see was on the eastern horizon. There was just a little bit of a real dim glow of um, uh, from the campsite. Yeah, but that was miles away, and." Uh, I couldn't see what he was talking about. Actually, his torso was in the way. I was seated. He was seated. So I had to stand up and took a step back. And then I saw on the western horizon, there was this cluster, tight little cluster of three stars sitting above the horizon. And they were too far above the horizon to have been lights, like from a parking lot or a train or something. And they were absolutely static. They were sitting just still. And... Uh, Toby said that could be an aircraft, and I said I don't I don't know of an aircraft that has that kind of light configuration. Right. And then he made the point that well, let's just watch it for a minute because if it's if its heading is right on us, you know, uh, we probably can't see any motion until it varies its course by a degree or two. Then there's motion. Yeah. And I said okay, so we're watching it, and what it did was it 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 rotated like it was on an axis. Hmm. And it rotated and aligned the base of the triangle with the with the parallel with the horizon with the apex of the triangle pointed up hmm. And you know what's interesting is is that our reaction to this was totally inappropriate. you know we should have been interested or freaked out or scared or we should have been discussing it. Uh, but we, we didn't. When it seemed like when we when we saw it rotate, um, and then shortly later it started to go up into the sky. Um, I all that anxiety that I had just a few minutes earlier about there you know the bugs going quiet and yeah. uh, that was all gone. I, I had no anxiety. I had no fear. Um, it was in a strange place. I think we both felt uh, disassociated from the thing. Uh, mildly even disinterested, and I wouldn't go as far to say we were apathetic, but we were we were just in a strange place. It was like we were observers instead of participants hmm. And so we watched this thing climb up into the sky and we the there were a trillion stars out that night and as it would pass over a field of stars, they would blink out for a moment and then blink back on when it was past. Plus, the sky itself was a dark blue, and the area inside these, this triangle, which was defined by the three points of light, um, was black. So we knew we were looking at a solid object. And it climbed until it reached an altitude and then kind of went to a, from a vertical to a horizontal position um, parallel with the Earth and then started like a glide plane down toward us And I think the only thing, Toby's the only one I think that spoke because he said something like they're really moving now or or something along those lines. And I don't recall answering them. uh, But we saw this thing come in and the closer it got, the bigger it got. And it just expanded. The three points of light always stayed equidistant to one another, but it just got bigger. And it, it came in and it at about 5,000 feet o- over our heads from from the horizon and yeah. then went on and then declined and then descended, I should say, descended further another 2,000 feet. So it came to a park. Uh, it parked about 3,000 feet over this meadow and came to a stop. Never heard a thing, didn't make a sound, hmm. uh, at least at this time, um, and the lights had dimmed somewhat that were flashing on the, on the, uh, points of the triangle. Yeah. And we didn't, we, I, I don't think there was a word said between us.
0: And Which is I, strange, right? Like I'm sorry to interrupt, you, but that, that, that's strange, right? Like I feel like if Mike and I, I don't know how you'd feel, Mike, but if you and I were at that campfire, would have you said something at this point?
1: I'm, I'm not sure what I would have done. I probably would have, uh, hightailed it out of there. Um, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of of meeting new people, let alone uh, <laughs> new creatures from somewhere. I have no idea where they're from. Um, yeah. So, like, like you said, I mean, you can't really be that naive to believe that when you're told uh, what you saw was a helicopter. Um, I mean, yeah. I, uh, I don't know. Yeah. You know, man-made things normally have, like you said, they have rivets, they have seams... Um, that kind you, of stuff. Eh, yeah. I'm looking at that, I, I probably would freak out a little bit. I would have at least, uh, probably you'd have smelled an aroma, um, <laughs> at very least. Uh, but like you said, I mean, maybe, maybe what you said is, you know, they, they have like some sort of influence over you or it's just like a... Uh, I guess you would say like a like a shepherd with his sheep, right? He just like calms his sheep down and kind of herds them where he wants them. Maybe it's something very similar. Um, you know, I I I'm not sure.
0: Well, I mean, how did you feel in that moment, Terry? I mean, it, when it stopped and just sat there. I mean, because you said no conversations really taking place. Do you kind of remember what you were feeling at all?
2: Yeah, I was feeling um dissociated. Mm. I was uh, feeling like I was just. I felt like I was removed from that immediate situation and was just watching it play out. I mean, it's hard to explain into words, but um, I was semi-sedated. I know that. And I have no doubt that the emotions that we go through, because this was an emotive event. Mm. But what we were feeling, I mean, our emotions were muted. Uh, and, I, and I think that we were under some type of influence from this thing. Uh, it began abruptly. Um uh, It began when this thing started to move up into the sky. And, uh, you know, I was so freaked out by things going. I I had that creepy feeling whenever the the forest fell silent. And then all of a sudden, like that, you know, that's gone. And I'm just, you know,
3: Hmm.
2: relaxed. And uh, so, yeah, there's no fear. Here we are. We're laying on these air mattresses. Granted, we're camped off to the side, thanks to Toby. I wanted to camp in the middle of the camp, of the, of the meadow. I'm glad we didn't. We're camped off to one side. So this thing fills this entire meadow.
0: Hmm.
2: I mean, it's a city block long on each pull. leg of the triangle.
0: I'll pull the photos up for everybody so they can see how big this meadow is. Because you're not kidding. This meadow is uh, is quite extensive. Keep going. Now. I apologize. I'm sorry.
2: No, no, no. Thanks. Thanks for, thanks for bringing us up. Uh, while we're watching this thing, um, from underneath of it and in the center, and we can't see anything, it's just black, uh, there came a light that shot down from the, from the uh, craft from some source in the middle and center, and it was just like someone turned on a light. And it was a, a beam of light about six inches in diameter, and it was a visible white light It had that quality of like a high-power searchlight cutting through fog. You can see a column of white light. It looked like that, but, of course, there was no fog. There was just Mm. this visible light that we could see. And that landed in the middle of our campfire. And we both looked at each other, and we looked at it, and I don't think we said anything. And then it just clicks off again like someone hits a switch. And then immediately in its stead, there was this laser beam. About the diameter of a pencil Kind of a bluish purplish color And lasers were new in 1977 I'd seen yeah. them on television But I'd, I'd never seen one in real life Yeah And this one It um, it would hit a spot in the campground And stay there for like a tenth of a second And then reappear in another spot So it's like With every second this thing would be in ten different It would dance All over the campground I guess is the illusion It gave it was just all over the campground. But what was interesting was um, it struck all the things that were associated. It struck us. It struck me in the chest a couple of times. I never felt a thing. It struck my friend. It struck his cooler, the the tent, his backpack, my car. So all this stuff that we brought with us. And I thought, you know, this thing's checking us out.
0: Yeah, it's like being scanned. <laughs> scanned <laughs> That's my picture, right? Just scanning over whatever it is. <clears throat>
2: Yeah, and that lasted about three minutes, and then that that light turned off. And as soon as that light turned off, the emotions that we felt, um, well, maybe just the overall way we felt, we, we, we transitioned from being semi-sedated to sleepy.
3: Mm.
2: And then all of a sudden, I was so sleepy, all I wanted to do was go in the tent and go to bed. And, you know, we worked the night shift, but, you know, we shouldn't have been sleepy. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, because
0: what time was this roughly? I mean, if you don't mind my asking. give between he said it has to me.
2: Yeah, between 9 and 10. So, it's
0: I'm like guessing. the start of your shift probably, right? Normally, we're close to yeah, it. We, you know, yeah, like, we started at yeah. 11.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So, <clears throat> uh, yeah, we shouldn't have been sleepy. Uh, plus, you know, we're 22 years old and, mm. you, know, you know, don't take naps then. So, <laughs> but anyway, my buddy stood up and he said, show's over. Cause his lights went out hmm. and uh, he picked up his air mattress and he went over and threw it in the tent, fell on top of it. And I followed suit with mine. I threw mine in the tent and fell on top of it. And I remember that the noises of the forest had not returned. And I, I didn't bother to take off my Sorry. boots or my, uh, no, my, my shirt. I didn't undress in any way. Uh, and I it, just fell on top of that mattress, and I was I was out. I think I was unconscious. I don't think I was asleep. I think I was yeah. sedated or something.
0: Yeah, I don't remember. Did you – I have a foggy memory of this. Did you clearly state in the book if you felt motivated to leave your boots on? Because I feel like there was something – I, I
2: did, because the thought of taking them off crossed my mind. Hmm. And I thought, no, if I need to get up in the middle of the night, you yeah. know, I should have them on. Um yeah, I had, the f- I had the feeling to leave them on. I probably would have taken them off. I'll tell you what I would never have done would have been unlaced them. Because when I woke mm. up, I found that they'd been unlaced halfway down.
1: Yeah. And then
2: I found out my socks had been put on sideways. And, <laughs> you know, I would never have done that. <laughs> those, uh,
0: those are all pretty big no-nos usually. You know what I mean? Well,
2: yeah, you
1: know. Well, I mean, it depends on who you are. Like, there's plenty of people that don't care about lacing their boots up or putting their socks on in the correct orientation. But I'm sure being military background, that's (laughs) that's like... <laughs>
2: they they beat that into you. Yeah. You know, they do. Because you know what if you if you your feet are your life. If you can't that's... if you can't walk, you know, then mm-hmm. you, you're useless and somebody's gonna have to pull pulled off duty to take care of you probably. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you don't have your boots laced up, you sure can't run because you're gonna trip and fall on your laces. So yeah, mm-hmm. I would have left them on or I would have taken them off. Um And you know what? That annoyed me, but it didn't hit home. Because when I woke up, I I didn't have my wits about me. I woke up because of these flashing lights coming through the canvas of the tent. White and yellow, orange, just these bright flashing lights uh, that were, I mean, as bright as like an old school flashbulb camera thing, you know, that kind of had all the little filament in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was... uh, and they were at odd intervals. It wasn't sequenced in any way. Uh, I almost and- picture
0: like a searchlight, like the, you know, the old World War II video games, you know, and you're sneaking in somewhere, kind of like that, where it's just making passes across you. Is that is that kind of what you're saying?
2: No, no, it wasn't that at all. It was it was flashes of white light.
0: Oh, flashes. Okay.
2: White and yellow, and it, it was just flashes. We didn't. We mm. never saw any anything like that. It was just it would in a in a Literally a millisecond, it would light up the inside of that tent like a ballpark at night, man. I mean, just hmm. brilliant. Um, but it was just extremely brief and, at odd intervals. And what I'm thinking was when I saw this, I saw a yellow and white light. I'm thinking, well, this, you know, because I knew we had trespassed. You know, we...
0: Oh, yeah. I forgot we didn't talk about that. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. There was a road across, the ch- a chain across the road yeah. with this sternly worded, keep out, do not enter, uh, we didn't know it at the time, but where we stayed wasn't actually in Devil's Den State Park.
3: Mm.
2: It was actually, and it still is, a piece of ground owned by the Bureau of Land Management That's and leased so to somebody private. Yeah, and you know, I never bothered to look for it because I thought, oh, well, this place has got to be covered with 40-year-old mature trees by now. And the guys from Astonishing Legends actually went on to, uh, using my, my description of it, went on uh, Google Earth and found it. And sent it to me. He says, "Is this where you stayed?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah. that's the place." And get this: to this day, they uh, the top of that plateau they keep cut.
0: I know, that's the weird thing because it's so far off the beaten path. We're showing the people listening and that might be watching later or two that the, in this picture you can see it. Mean, there's nothing going on around here. I mean, I don't see anything that's leading to it really. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of cut down into a little bit of a valley. There might be some stuff out back here. But it's so weird that that spot's just so flat, and that they're maintaining it to this day. That's uh, I don't think I, that's by happenstance. That that's, no,
2: that <laughs> burns a lot of gas. You know, I, I, I put it that, does. I put that picture on my Facebook page, <clears throat> and, a, and a guy from uh, Alabama who's a uh, landscaper mm. sends me a message and says that that's that's cut with a farm tractor. He could tell by seeing the tractor treads when he zoomed in on it. Hmm. And he said, it's cut with a tractor trailer, pardon me, it's f- cut with a farm trailer pulling what was called a brush hog. I didn't know what, a, I didn't know what a brush hog was. I mean, it conjures up a pretty bizarre mental image. Yeah, I was six. Just- <laughs> um I figured it out. So, yeah, it pulls this big mower deck behind it. Yeah. Um, and he says that, you know, it's cut into six inch lengths. Uh, he says, so somebody keeps it. Keeps it pretty well cut mm-hmm. to the point that no no trees will grow up there. You know there are a couple trees up there, but if they're up there, they, they want them there.
0: Right. Uh, you know. It's yeah. It's it stands out like a sore thumb. Like I said, the picture that we're showing. I mean, you you can clearly look at it and say something's up with that. That's not natural. It's man made or some something made that shape. That's not just sitting there doing its own thing. Nature didn't just make that happen. That's we'll right. put it that way. So, yeah, like you were saying, so you're thinking maybe the the police are rolling up or a state trooper, caught, or I'm sorry, a park ranger or something. That, that's kind of the thought in your mind maybe that's going on?
2: Yeah, you know, I see these lights and I'm thinking it's the overhead flashing lights of a park ranger's truck. And, uh, again, I don't have my wits about me fully. Uh, and I also heard this noise where it was perfectly silent when it rolled in over the top of us. Um, now I'm hearing this noise that has a uh, mechanical kind of uh, – kind of ring to it it's like uh like standing next to a big piece of industrial machinery interesting so and i you've
0: talked to travis before right you and travis have met before. oh yes walton so did 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 you do to talk about that because we covered that story at one point and it seemed to be something that he experienced was that that low hum or i shouldn't say low but that that humming of like you're saying large machinery is that similar or was just this sound like a large piece of machinery
2: Identical. identical identical yeah travis and i met in uh a ufo conference in houston hmm. and I, I hadn't published my book yet it was about just about done yeah um and i walked up to him and said hey how you doing uh yeah i got i got abducted myself and he kind of rolls his eyes and, and, and <laughs> oh one kind of these guys at we my go. events here again we here, go. Go. here we go, <laughs> yeah, here we go. Um, but we ended up talking for four hours and uh, oh, wow. the next day he's like hey you want to be on a panel with us There you go. (laughs) Sure, why not? You know, I was on a panel with Travis Walton and uh, Daryl Sims. Oh, okay. Uh, So um, that's funny. So where was I going?
3: Oh,
0: so I interrupted you. I apologize. See, this is this is where Mike keeps on track usually. Uh, The low humming. So you're now you're hearing. You're actually hearing something at this point. Yeah,
2: and it's not so much loud with my ears, but I can feel it in my chest. It feels powerful. And uh, so I'm thinking, you know, park ranger with a generator in the back of his truck. You know, it doesn't make a lot of sense either. <laughs> so, yeah, but I mean, you're just waiting. <laughs> yeah, I, and I'm, I'm like, Toby, man, what is it? Is it park rangers out there? And he did the universal finger across his lips thing, and he said, "Shh, they're still out there."
4: Hmm.
2: And I'm like, "Who is still out there?" And I pulled back the flap of my tent. And I looked out and I saw that this thing that had been 3,000 feet over our heads when we went to bed sometime earlier had descended. And it's now 30 feet over the floor of the meadow.
0: Wow. And this thing was a couple city blocks big, right? This is it.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, it was like like somebody levitated a medical building. And it was deep. It was five stories tall. Hmm. And it's 30 feet over the floor of this meadow. And, you know, to this day, I do not understand how this thing could have happened to us and not have been witnessed by everybody at the campsite or everybody in five counties all around. It just doesn't make sense. Right. Um, But there's never any report of it. So um, the second thing I saw was in these flashes of light, I saw what I thought was a bunch of kids walking around underneath this thing. And I'm like, Toby, man, what are these little kids doing out here in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the night? And he said, Terry, man, look at them. Those ain't no little kids. And he said this. He said, don't you remember? They took us and they hurt us. And as soon as he said that, I snapped back into reality. I was wide awake and I was absolutely scared out of my wits. And I looked again and he was right because what we were seeing was was they weren't human beings. They had disproportionately large heads um i didn't see big you know exaggerated black eyes um but they were definitely gray maybe three feet tall uh and they walked with a really distinctive gait they walked like their like their legs were hinged to go backward like an inch or two with each step so it gave hmm. the impression that they were dragging their foot behind them when they walked it was just you'd have to see it it was just yeah. a weird gait and um uh, yeah, when Toby said that, I had images of being inside this thing flash across my mind. I understand I've never had a clear linear memory of what happened to me in there. But I do have bits and pieces. Um, and mostly, you know, stuff that visits me in my in my nightmares, but stuff that I think are legit memories. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, at this point, I'm just scared to death that we're going to cough or sneeze or do something and draw their attention. They're going to come over to us. And uh, we had, we, you know, we should have known. They were long done with us. They, you know, yeah. they, they didn't care anymore. Yeah. Um, and while we're watching, we're, I mean, we're sitting there just absolutely terrified. While we're watching, uh, another light pops on from underneath this thing in center. And this was a column of white light that had that same quality to it that that first beam of light had visible white light underneath this thing. And it's 30 feet in diameter. Uh, I can tell it's about the same. It's about the same in width as it was height off the floor of this meadow. So about 30 feet in diameter. And as soon as that pops on, all these little guys turned their attention toward this light and started to amble over toward it. Uh, they, they didn't run or rush or anything. They just kind of, do to do you know, walking along.
0: <laughs> drag their little dishinged little uh, legs behind them and then get over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: And they're all broke up <clears throat> into pairs and threes, so they're not in, all congregated into a group here. <clears throat> and uh, the first two little guys stepped in, and they stepped into the light and stood still, and we watched them pixelate out and and just evaporate. Hmm. over about 20, maybe 30 seconds max, probably more like 20 seconds. And then the next two walked over, and they walked in, did the same thing, pixelated out. I guess that's how they got back into this thing. Hmm. You know? And we watched until the last two guys were pixelated out. When they were gone, as soon as they were gone, this light switches off, and the lights on the points of the triangle – switched from multicolored to uh, white. And the, uh, that droning noise that we heard abruptly yeah. stopped. And, you know, it's, it's, it's weird. Whenever you have a, a noise like that in the background, it becomes like a baseline. So you don't yeah. even notice it after a while. Wow. But when it stopped, we, we noticed the absence of it. Yeah. We noticed the silence again. And we watched this thing take off, and it took off. It didn't take off like a rocket ship. It took off like a hot air balloon. And it just lifted up and rotated just a little bit, and just phew, it went straight up. And we watched till it was, you know, three points of light, then one point of light, and then gone. And we were sitting there just like terrified little 10-year-olds. And yeah. I told Toby, I said, I don't know about you, man, but I'm, I'm staying here till the sun comes up. I, I seriously, I did not want to go outside because I thought I'd be vulnerable running sixty feet to the car. I mean, all I got over my head is a piece of canvas. But,
0: <laughs> but feels safe in there right now, I though. Feel I mean, safe. That right, right now,
2: right now, it's the safe place to be. Yeah. And you know that, that had a lifelong effect on me, and that uh, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but you know, uh, I won't cut across an open field
3: ever. Hmm.
2: I'll walk a mile and a half around. I just I would have a, I would have a panic attack if I walked across an open field. Yeah. so i don't you know still sleep with a light on too
0: <laughs> i don't blame you for the experiences you've had trust me they're saying we haven't we haven't even gotten into all <laughs> of them yeah i don't blame you <laughs> i don't uh, yeah so from this though this is where toby kind of kind of got you going he, he gave you enough courage to like we can do this right let's let's we can make a run for it right
2: yeah he did yeah. he said look you know we got to get out of here man he said get your get your wallet and your keys and i did he grabbed a flashlight um and I asked him, I said, are you sure you can navigate me out of here without breaking an axle? I mean, we're in a 66 Chevy. And,
0: Suspension uh, is great in that, I'll tell you uh, what.
2: <laughs> man, you know, and this really was terrain for for a Range Rover, not for a 66 yeah, Chevy. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, no, nah, man, I got this. Um, and I knew he had the great sense of direction. That's why yeah. I always drove the ambulance and he always gave directions. So we uh, we bolted for the car. And uh, got in. And I, t- I asked him, I said, Are we good? And he knew what I meant. And he's checking under the seats in the back seat yeah. to make sure that we're alone. And uh, we are. The doors are locked, of course. The car Thanks. starts right up, thank God. And um, it was kind of a crazy ride out of there because it was up <laughs> and down hills. And, and, um, but to Toby's credit, he navigated us. Uh, I, I knew when I saw the chain lane across the road that we were on the right path. And yeah. then we were back on blacktop, and that's when we really really as, realized how how badly hurt we were. Right, and we were acutely dehydrated. And I'm like, man, look around this car. Find a can of can of warm beer or or, or pop or something. I'll mm. drink anything as long as it's not so as long as it's not poison. Yeah, and uh, he's like, there's nothing, man, and. Uh, we drove until the sun came up. We figured both of our watches had stopped, by the way. We both wore mechanical wind-up watches, which mm. was kind of the standard of the day. Yeah. And both of our watches had stopped at 240. Oh, well, actually, okay. mine stopped at 240. Toby stopped at 241. Because we they were integral to our job, to what we did, we kept them synchronized. So if we went on a run, you know, times that we made and, and uh, time was kind of important. Yeah when you're picking up somebody. So, um, yeah, we wore good watches and they never, mine never worked again. I wish I'd saved it though, but I, yeah. I didn't.
0: I would have loved to know if it was magnetized. because that's the only thing that, you know, when it comes to that low revving engine reverb in your chest, that's the only thing I could think. And then how it affects the mechanical things around us is it's gotta be something with that. You know,
2: a watch guy told me that a watch guy said it was probably a, a magnetic field mm-hmm. that killed your watch. Yeah. And, uh, Boy, I don't know. I, I, we, we calculated that we must, we must have got up about an hour before sunrise, is, is, what we, or what our best guesstimate was, because the clock in my car didn't work, of course. Hmm. And we're, we're headed back to base, and we stopped at a gas station. Yeah. And I ran into the bathroom and. I'm just, I got my hand under this dirty faucet. I'm just drinking and drinking as much water as I Not can Not even drink.
3: caring, right?
0: That's it. No, just, <laughs>
2: just give me some liquid. I
0: something wet. You know?
2: <laughs> and that's when I noticed that I had this uh, sunburn, like the worst sunburn I'd ever had in my life. Uh, hmm. But I never peeled. I never blistered. Uh, I mean, my soles and my feet under my arm. I mean, every place I Which- was burned.
0: It's so important to note, too, because you and Toby purposely, especially yourself, you know, being fair-skinned, like, my, uh, Mike and I both are pretty fair-skinned gentlemen, so we usually got to make sure we got some protection on. You guys had a military-grade bug spray and sunscreen. We did. You know, obviously, I know Toby denied it for for obvious reasons, but, you know, yeah. obviously, like, if you had this on, I mean, and how do you get it on your feet? You went to sleep with your shoes on. And under your armpits,
2: are, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like... The doctor at the hospital that examined me said did he said the only way I can account for you being burned like this is you must have been nude and on like a barbecue spit and somebody keeping you turned. <laughs> Just turning you Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> uh, and he was half kidding, but he's like, How did this happen to you? Yeah. And I said, Man, we made Toby and I had made a pact. Uh, I should explain that too.
0: Yeah, uh, please.
2: When when we left and got back on the main road, um, this event had changed us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, were, we went down there, I think, like, more like teenagers and came back as, uh, as adults. Um, it, was, uh, it was a life-changing event. But what was odd was here this guy was my best friend, um, and now all of a sudden I didn't want anything to do with the guy. Yeah. And I really had trouble reconciling that emotion. I don't know what, um, what that is. And uh, there's a guy named Robert Hastings who wrote a book about 20 years ago called UFOs and Nukes. Mm. And he's been a UFO researcher for 30 years. And he's talked to thousands of people that were active duty on, on nuclear bases that had experiences. And he told me, he says, yeah, no, that's real common. He says, people will have these experiences and then they drift apart. And I got letters from people that that wrote to me, emails from people saying, yeah, you know, the four of us used to get together and do all kinds of stuff, and then we had this thing happen, and it's like the band breaks up. You know, everybody goes in a different direction. There's a famous book by uh, Raymond Fowler uh, about the Allagash event. that happened, Mm -hmm. I think, in 73. And that involved uh, two twins, uh, Jim and Jack. Wiener or Weiner, and then uh, two other guys. I don't remember their names, Um, but they were real tight. You know, they did stuff together. And they went on this fishing trip, and they saw light in the sky, missing time. Um, But after the event, everybody kind of went their separate ways. And, uh, you know, that's the way I felt about Toby. I, I, I suddenly felt, you know... And what's interesting was when we got back, the the Air Force um, kept us apart. We were ordered to have no contact with one another.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah, that was that when because I was you know when I was listening to that part and reading it, as far as you guys you know making it back in, like you said, what, you were in bad shape. I mean, your eyes swollen up to the point where the guy that was at the place was like, "Hey, if you need to use the phone to call somebody, because they didn't even think you should be driving. Uh, you were yeah. you, you were looking rough, but Toby was you, like you said, whatever happened to you, oh. something – way more happened to him um, and then you you know, you dropped him off obviously with his wife and you said something along the lines of like see ya, or something like that you know what see i mean yeah
2: that's exactly what
0: i said and then so before you made it to the hospital you you guys made some sort of a, a, a pact you're saying that you kind of talked yeah, about what a we little did
2: bit. was it was it was right as we left right as we hit the blacktop and i knew we were going to make it home because i knew we were on the right road um, i told him i said man And and here's the interesting part, too. Two people, two human beings go through an event like we went through and see what we saw. I think human nature is that we would have been debriefing. We would have been each validating each other's story. Man, did you see what I saw? Right. Yes, you did. Yeah, yeah. With this thing. Yeah, yeah. I saw that, too. You know, that would have been human nature. Um, But we didn't do that. We didn't talk about it. Uh, All we did was we said, you know, this is going to be a problem. If we go back and tell somebody, That we saw a UFO the size of Walmart, they're going to, they're going to, and they would have, they (laughs) would put us in a psych ward, you know, it would have been in those days, in those days it would have been uh, bad news and it would have been, we would never be able never achieve our our life goals for sure. So we were determined and you know, we were ethical about it. We didn't want to lie. Right. So we said, you know, here's, here's the plan. When asked, we went to bed feeling out of sorts. That's true. (laughs)
0: We're, we're just been in, we're, They're like guidelines. We're, we're guidelining the story here. <laughs> yeah. <you know. laughs> but in between, but here are the lines of the football
2: field. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, we, we woke up, felt sick, and came home. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we just <sighs> left out that other part.
0: Yeah. Sure, something happened in between, but, you know.
2: <laughs> Boy.
0: So. Yeah. Uh, get, uh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: No, I, I was just. Uh, Saying yeah, it was just crazy, but yeah, that my 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 um, feelings toward the guy changed, hmm. and I, like I said, I, that that was hard to account for. Uh, we got back, they separated us. Uh, hmm. I spent three days and two nights in the hospital, then had thirty days off duty. Yeah. Uh, and while I'm in the hospital, my second night, and I know I'm going home the next morning. Yeah. This is interesting. Uh, oh, this this is, tells this is me. Hard. Yeah, this tells me that they knew. I don't know how they knew, but they knew. Um, and my night nurse walks in. I knew her well, and she had an injection for me to help me sleep. And they kept the lights turned off in my room because I have what the doctors call a flash burn. Oh, It's yeah. a sunburn to the cornea of your eye. And it's you're really photophobic. The light hurts your eyes. It feels like you have sand in your eyes.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: So for my comfort, they kept the lights turned off. And, you know, they put salve in my eyes like every four hours. Um, and she comes in with that with a, injectable thing in her hand and uh, these two guys in blue business suits follow her in. Uh, One guy's about 50 uh, and shorter. The other guy is taller and maybe early 30s. Yeah. And the older guy did all the talking and he says to this nurse, he says, "Uh, if that's going to sedate Sergeant Lovelace, it's going to have to wait. We need to ask him some questions.
4: Hmm.
2: And uh, she kind of you know, is, is startled a little bit. And then he looks at her and he said, and shut the door on your way out. And I thought, man, you know, what's, you know, why the incivility here? Why, yeah. why you know, why can't, why can't we all just get along, as Rodney King would say? <laughs> I Oh, I didn't
0: understand. You didn't say that? No, I'm just kidding. That's a whole other show. Uh, <laughs> we, we. I'm just kidding. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it sounds like a classic 50s or 70s movie. You know what I mean? Like the tough guy act of what? I mean, it sounds like something you'd see in a movie kind of deal. You know, like, hey, that's going to sedate him. You know, the, no no chance and shut the door on your way out kind of deal. I mean, it's.
2: Yeah. You know, from, from my, I, I did some uh, felony prosecuting in my legal career. So mm-hmm. I'm a little bit familiar with police tactics and that's not all that uncommon. Yeah. Um, to establish, you know, we're in charge. You know, it's all theater. It was all. I didn't know it then, but I know it now. It was all theater. Yeah. And uh, they they pulled up a chair next to the head of my bed. They swooped everything off my side table and put it, put it under me. And the captain goes to the foot of my bed, and it's a crank bed. It wasn't electric. And cranks up my bed, so I'm sitting bolt upright. And the older guy, the major, the guy that was in charge, hits the overhead lights, and immediately I'm in. Wow, Jeez. Yeah, I can't see. Trying to make
0: you and as uncomfortable as possible. <laughs> oh yeah,
2: yeah. So I said, Sir, could you please turn that light out? My eyes are injured and that that really they're really sensitive to the light. And he said he had this he had this accent, like um, you know, Alabama or Louisiana, mm. someplace. And he's like, Can't work in the dark here, son. Gotta see what we're doing. Mm. I'm like, Okay. Then he pulls a little card out of his pocket and he reads me my rights under the Uniform Code of Military Justice, like like they would read your rights to you as a civilian. Yeah. Um, and that scared me to death. And I thought, my first thought was, you know, we didn't pour water on that campfire. Mm. Maybe that thing burned the forest down. Maybe we burned down a whole <laughs> nature preserve. Um, yeah. So I'm scared, right? Uh and then I think what happened was, I think that the park rangers maybe found our campsite because we didn't put that chain back up. And we left everything there. We left yeah. our tent, the cooler, Toby's backpack that had his address at the Whiteman, <laughs> Whiteman Air Force Base.
4: Yeah.
2: Um, so I think that the park rangers called and said, hey, it looks like a couple of your airmen have been down here. They set up a little campsite and it looks like they're planning on coming back. Hmm. So – um, He's like, you know, why would you boys set up this this camp uh if you didn't plan on coming back? And I said, sir, we were just we were just sick. We were sick. We didn't care about a 10 dollar Kmart tent. We just wanted to get back home and get some medical treatment. Yeah. And he said, uh, well, I I you know what I think. He said, I think you probably boys boys probably got a little marijuana plot growing down there, don't you? <laughs> Now today, that's that's kind of
0: funny, right? But I don't know. You know. They still had it listed for a while. It was a it was a, a class of one uh, drug, right? Or cl- what's the classification under? Uh, like? I believe it's still.
1: Um, I think it's yeah. Schedule that schedule two schedule or one. Like one, one. Yeah, it's, schedule it's a three. felony.
0: Three is it three? Yeah. Whatever. I know it's right yeah. there with like heroin and cocaine. <laughs> it's yes. right there. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was well, a big you know. deal.
2: It's a big deal in Texas. I know it's it's legal oh. in Michigan now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Here they'll
2: lock you up for it. Seriously. Really? Lock you Texas. up for it? Absolutely. That's amazing. <laughs> so, uh, that's that's Texas. Yeah. <laughs> um. So he kind of interrogates me, yeah. and he's like, "You know, that was federal land you were trespassing on." And I thought, you know, it's a big deal here. You know, we didn't mm. we didn't hurt anything, and. uh Couldn't be the crime of the century. Um, Yeah. So he finally finishes. He never asked me anything. That you know, he just made accusations and just kind of terrorized me. And uh, nurse comes back in, and I get my shot. She leaves. The captain leaves, and it's just me and this major in the room. And this is interesting. He he gets down next to my ear and he whispers. He says, "Son, I know." And you know, you two knuckleheads stumbled onto something when you were out there. And I think you know what I'm talking about.
0: Hmm. And
2: I knew what he was talking about. And and I didn't know how to answer.
0: (laughs) What are you supposed to (laughs) say?
2: I didn't say anything. Yeah. So he tries again and he says, all I want to know is how many pictures you took of it. Yeah. And you know, without thinking, I blurted out, sir, I never took a single picture of it. And he Hmm. just smiles, you know because he just got his admission.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I from know, you saying I, that, right?
2: Right. I know that he knows. He knows that I know. Mhm. I don't know how they knew, but but they knew. And
0: when well, they ransacked your house too. I mean, while you're doing this interview, they they were I mean, they your car, they took completely took your car. They didn't even just ransacked, they took it. It was gone.
2: They, yes. Were, well, I signed a consent form, <laughs> consent for them to search cuz I, you know, I was under the impression and I thought, look, if I if I protest this stuff, I'm going to look guilty, yeah. you know, and I, d- I haven't done anything. I don't have any uh, contraband. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, if I just play along, maybe you'll get out of this quicker. And um, I gave them the right to search my car. They took my car, but I got to say, when they gave it back to me, it was a cl- as clean as it was when it rolled off the showroom floor, which I thought was interesting.
0: Can't complete that. But
2: they seized my wife's camera uh, which she got back and there were just birthday party pictures on there, you know, just regular stuff. Yeah. And, um... They seized all my film. Um, they didn't take my camera, but they seized all my film. And curiously, because I was on a base, I couldn't use my camera much. I had set up a tripod in the backyard, and I had a, a big telephoto lens, and I was taking pictures of the full moon. Yeah. Just because I thought it was something to photograph, and I thought they made interesting prints because I could blow them up on the, on, the, on the thing and make them big. And they took all those moon pictures. Hmm.
0: And I don't know why. <laughs> so you probably see it's the moon. It's not. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, not. The moon's pretty identifiable. It's, not, it's got a very unique look to it, and it is what it is. So Now, another thing that I thought was very interesting is the the nurse that you were very close with there. Or I, 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 I suppose I'm assuming too much to say you were close with, but you guys knew each other, right? The nurse that, was, that brought oh, yeah. in the medication. So that part gets interesting to me, too, is because then you had this other physician that comes in who basically oh. says – Listen, you and Toby are we're not kicking you off the base, you're not being reassigned, but you're being you're being moved around, right? And you guys are never to talk again. And he he, Toby's getting now, it sounds like reassigned. He's getting moved to another location.
2: Japan. They sent him to Japan. At, At light speed.
0: At light speed. Wow. And then the medication, that was that was the big question I had. Because to me, it's very interesting that the the nurse that you were trying to ask, and you said you think maybe she knew, but maybe she couldn't say or whatever. This medication, you being someone who gave medical treatment, had never recognized A4, couldn't find it in a medical book. And the fact that it came from Wright-Patterson Air Force, that was the only piece of information she kind of gave you, is so intriguing to me that Wright-Patterson, out of all the – I mean. You know that's the alleged stories of you know going back to Roswell days. That's it's it's so funny to see.
2: I don't know for me maybe I'm just grasping, but like it's unique. It, it's, it's unique, yeah. Well, you know, I didn't put it in the, in Devil's Den. It's a it's a detail that I left out. I hmm. put it in the second book. Um, you know, my wife determined after about four days of taking these pills, these pills are making me stupid. Yeah, you know, I mean I, I'm not reading anymore. I can't balance a checkbook. Uh, you know, I'm I'm quiet. I'm watching cartoons. I'm just, you know, it's just not yeah. me. And I realize I'm not myself. And my wife sits down with me and she says, you know, you're going to have to trust me on this one because hmm. I don't know what your level of awareness really is. But she says, those pills you've been taking, they're making you stupid.
3: Yeah. It-
0: and it's interesting because with these pills, for those that are listening, uh, for yourself, Micah, I guess, hearing the story. So for Micah, th- with these pills, they were unmarked capsules that had no ad- knowing, known uh, aden- identified marker on there. And then they also had a nurse a separate that you didn't really even know from their own special group that came in to count to make sure you're taking your pills. And the physician in the meeting with you telling you to keep your nose, you know, you're going to be okay as long as you keep your head down. You just don't mess with these guys. They're serious give them what they need, cooperate, yes. tells you, hey, these these might give you some funky dreams, and they might be weird, but as long as you don't talk to anybody about these dreams, they'll go away very soon, but don't you dare talk about them. A dream. Like, I... I yeah. It's yeah. so on the nose looking back, you know, I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but like,
2: man, that's just... Well, you know what I think? I think that uh, and I don't want to tar everyone with the same brush here, but this guy's a colonel. He's talking to a guy, you know, I'm a sergeant. I'm, and you know, I think that there is that. Uh, well, back in seventy-seven, it was it was greater than it is now. But there's a division between officer and enlisted, and uh, you know, there were still a lot of uh, draft troops uh, mm. that were on active duty. That makes and, sense. And you know, they, they talked you. They talked us like we were stupid. You know, mm. uh, routinely, um, that was their expectation that we were stupid, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and that was fine with us. You know. <laughs> we know the truth I was going to say those that choose
0: to serve versus those that have been forced to serve I mean I take it from either side but it might be a little bit of a step above if you're if you're choosing to make that sacrifice so I mean yeah. Yeah. um, but yeah that really (laughs) stuck out to me was the the pills coming from Wright Patterson Air Force and the fact that they you know specifically hit on the dreams and then clearly like your wife said it was making you you know
2: I stopped taking them (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, and I didn't put this in Incident at Devil's Den, but it's in the Red Book. And I I, uh, I called her at the hospital and I said, hey, these pills, you know, where did they come from? This hmm. is the actual story, how that, came, how that came about, that conversation. And she said, yeah, you know, I'm busy right now. Uh, maybe I'll stop by on the way home. And I said, well, make it after 630 hmm. because that's when Nurse Janet came. I didn't say that. I just said, make it after 630. <laughs> she says, yeah, no sweat. Um. And she hung up. And in retrospect, she knew I was under scrutiny by the by the OSI. Yeah. So she was wanted to be careful what she said on a government phone. So she comes by about eight o'clock. You know, knocks on her door. Nurse Janet is long gone, and uh, this is about the eighth day. So I'm getting my my wits are back about me. Yeah. You know, I, I'm. Uh, you know, when, Jer- when Nurse Janet is there, I try to look like a- as dim-witted as I can. Just <laughs> watch you know? cartoons. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so uh, she comes in. I, I, you know, gave her a beer, I offered her a beer. She took it. And we all we all sat down. And, uh, you know, my wife Sheila said, look, you know, I, I, I saw this in him. These pills made him stupid. And where he's not taking them anymore. And she says, I think that's very smart. She says, mm. I wouldn't take them either. And I asked her, I said, do you know what they are? And she said, they're not in our formulary. They came here from from, uh, from right pad. And they mm. weren't in the PDR. They were just generic capsules with yeah. some kind of brown powder in them. And, boy, I sure wish I'd saved one. Just one. <laughs> yeah, just one. Yeah.
3: yeah.
0: Well, and as I say, I know that with this incident, I know because Mike has only got a little bit left here. So, with this incident, we finish up with, you know, I know that you and Toby were strictly instructed. was given an order to not see each other anymore. But you break this order. You see him one last time, which would end up being, unfortunately, the last time you'd ever see him, uh, just in passing. And I, I don't know how much you'd want to speak to that um, if you're open to just – I mean, did you – Yeah, real work, I, I mm-hmm. would
2: because I think it's important to the story. You know, I think it's important also to establish my mindset – um, Because I still had the feeling that I didn't want anything to do with the guy, but I knew I'd worked with him for three years. Yeah. And I knew that, you know, we had a, f- a friendship and I felt obligated to go and say goodbye to him. Yeah. So we're coming back from the base uh, grocery store and he only lives four blocks from me. And I'm like, Sheila, stop by. I'm going to run up and t- t- say goodbye to Toby. And she's like, Terry, don't mess with these OSI people. They scare me. I'm like, I know they scare me too, but I'm going to be in there four minutes and I'll be right out. So she does. She pulls over and I, I ran up to the door, same door I'd walked through a hundred times before. And, and I did my usual thing. I opened the door and, I and, and knocked three times and yelled, hey guys, it's me. Right. Um, and I stepped into the house and his wife, who was friends with us, walked past me and gave me a hard look and said, you're not supposed to be here. Hmm. And I said, I know. I'm not here for a confrontation. I'm just here to tell my friends goodbye. And uh, she kept walking and she went to the garage and Toby had heard our exchange and he walked around the corner and he just looked like hell. He looked tough. I mean, he looked... He was always one of these guys that was very particular about his appearance. You know, hmm. He was a guy that always had a crisp You know, a starched uniform, and his hair was always cut within regs. His shoes were shined. You know, I was a slob, but, I mean, he was meticulous (laughs) about his appearance. Yeah. And he walked out of the room, out of the bedroom, came around the corner to the hallway, and he was just a train wreck. I mean, his hair was all sideways. He had a growth of beard. He had on a dirty T-shirt, dirty jeans, no shoes. I, I cut him some slack because he was moving. Yeah but this is the kind of guy that would look good even during the move, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it, it was just out of character for him. And I I thought it would be appropriate to embrace the guy hmm. and uh, wish him well. And I didn't. And I don't know why I didn't. I thought it would be good to see him again, but it wasn't. It was awkward, you know? Hmm. And I held my hand out, and he held his out at the same time, and we kind of missed and we then kind of managed to make this inelegant handshake of sorts. And, and I said, you know, I just want to stop by and wish you well, because I know you guys are going to Japan. Hmm. And he was shorter than I was. And he looked up at me, and he said, it happened, didn't it, Terry?
3: Hmm.
2: And um, that question stunned me. It did. And I said, yes, my brother, it really happened, and you're not losing your mind. Hmm and i looked down at my shoes and uh i think he said but why us hmm and hmm. i just i just ran out of the house and uh i got, i got no peace or closure or or settlement uh of any kind from that it was just uh anxiety
3: yeah
0: so and I can't imagine from his point of view, because obviously we you don't, you, you don't know. We could only speculate on whether, you know, did he take his pills? Did he, didn't, he it was his dreams what were happening and all that? But I'm sure in some small way, maybe just hearing that small confirmation that, yeah, he wasn't going crazy. I mean, I know things unfortunately didn't work out for him in, in life. Um, I want to I want to say he, he passed away out of weird, just the way life works. He wasn't even that far from you, right? You ended up being kind of in the same area when that happened, unknowingly, yeah. you know. Yeah.
2: September fourth, two thousand seven. is the date of his death.
3: Mm. Yep.
2: And we had all these years we could have spent <clears throat> together, uh, and we should have. Yeah. And we didn't, and um, they they saw to it that we didn't.
0: Yeah. Well, and not only, let's say them, the the military itself. Or I'm sorry, the uh, the investigation agency also as well. We're waiting for you guys, and as soon as you, as soon as you get home, you you get the phone call, right? I want to say oh, it was yeah. like, yeah, you, the, the same captain from before, I'm sorry, the uh, colonel from before yeah, is major. on the phone yeah. waiting or major, I'm sorry, was on the phone waiting for you. <laughs>
2: yeah, he was, but yeah, or I left Toby's, we got home and the phone's ringing. I could hear it from, from, uh, and I, I, I didn't, for brevity's sake, I, 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 didn't tell you about, there, there was a police car parked. Oh yeah. Yeah. Him, my wife in, so she couldn't, she had to wiggle to get out of there mm-hmm. and she was all freaked out calm down if they were going to arrest us we'd be in handcuffs so don't yeah. worry about it just get us home and uh, I answered I ran you know I set the groceries down opened the door ran in and picked up the phone um, and I said Sergeant Lovelace and it was the it was the the same major uh, uh, what's his name what's the name I used in the book
0: mm. Brett. Was it Brad? Did you say Brad? We can no, roll with Brad. I, I thought I took a note on it, but I, I didn't have it. I just looked back at that in my other paper.
2: Brad was the name of the hypnotist, and I gave it a hypnotist. Um, anyway, the major said to me, "I said, Well, did you, did you find your film for me yet? Yeah. And I said, No, sir, I don't, I don't have any film for you. And he says, Well, you know, you just disobeyed my order. You just mm. disobeyed. He didn't say my order; it wasn't his. But he said, "You just disobeyed a, a order from a from an officer, and that's, that's 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 very bad news." And he said, "That really makes me angry." And I said, "Well, sir, I'm sorry." And he <laughs> says, "Did you give anything to Toby? Did he give you anything?" I'm like, "No, we just shook hands and said goodbye." And he said, "Watch yourself, because I'm watching you." Mm. So.
0: Yeah, because I I know that that weighed on you because that's when you decided you talked to you know Sheila and you're like why don't we just take the let's do a lie detector test right why don't I I'll show him I don't have anything and it was funny that conversation because you called him back and you know to the point right away he answers it and then he basically blew you off with that right again he's back to that film he was con- I mean, whether he believed it or not he he kept that on you as if you were holding out you had film hidden on yeah. him you know yeah. And every conversation it seemed.
2: They, they, they thought for sure that I had, well, you know, I had the reputation of being an amateur photographer in the, in the hospital commander's office. One of my prints was hung up, you know? Mm. So, I mean, I had this reputation of, uh, and you know, you know anybody who's into photography, you know how annoying they can be. They got a camera in your face. They take pictures <laughs> of everything. I was that guy, you know? So, I think the OSI believed that I had a 36 exposure roll of film shot of this thing. Mm. And boy, I wish I had. You know, I really wish I had. Yeah. I'd be speaking to you from from my island now because I <laughs> sold that to the National Enquirer. Um, yeah. You know, Toby had a ba- had a little camera in mm-hmm. his backpack, and I mean, it wasn't a great SLR thirty five millimeter, but it was a camera. Yeah. And the thought of him, the thought of taking pictures, never crossed our minds. Yeah. And I don't get that. Uh, again, I think that speaks to the level of influence that they can have over us.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, and I know that a main reason a lot of your memories, it seems at least how you made it out in the book, came back is from this lie detector business where you you offered this, and he was basically blew you off and said, "Son, you know, I got my own lie detector. I don't need you." Right. And then you you get restationed to position. You're not even – you're no longer the talented e, uh, uh, EMT that you were. That skill set's not being used. They have you literally stripping down wood, sanding it, and painting it. That's <laughs> – I mean, and then and then when you're done painting it, strip it down again and repaint. I mean, this is –
2: Yeah. It is, was busy work. It yeah, was busy it's, work, and it kept me out of their supply squadron and isolated. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I don't think they wanted to be talking about, hey, you know what I saw on a camping trip? <laughs> you know, they didn't, they didn't want that happening.
0: So. Right. And then the, the, what, the one day you just basically get this call that says, hey, you're, you're going somewhere, right? Pack your bag kind of deal.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the first sergeant from the supply squad uh, came out to this garage where I'm working. And he says, uh, you know, the old man wants to see you, meaning the commanding officer. And I said, okay. And he said, lock up before you leave. And I thought that was kind of a bad sign. Um, (laughs) So I locked up and uh, stopped in the bathroom, checked my appearance. I run down to the commander's office, and uh, his uh, secretary has a desk out front. And she opens the door and says, walk right in. And I went in. Sergeant Lovelace reporting, sir. And he says, "Um, Sergeant Lovelace, the people at the OSI headquarters would like to have a word with you. They sent the car for you. It should be out front right now. And if I were you, I wouldn't keep them waiting. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, dismissed. And I turned around and I ran out, ran out the front of the building. And sure enough, there's a, a blue uh, police car there. And they took me to OSI headquarters. He took me to OSI headquarters. And we went through the double locked uh, doors, you know, with the buzzer sounds. Then you can open the door. <laughs> it clicks wow. like a bank vault and back in back of you. And he took me down a long hallway, uh, and there were rooms on either side that were uh, marked alphabetically A, B, C, D. And I was at a room on the right that was a E, I believe. And yeah. he used a key and he unlocked the door, and said, "Have a mm-hmm. seat. Someone will be right with you." So I went in, and this room is about the size of my guest bathroom. I mean, it's not it's not huge; it's not big. And there's a um, like a 1950s vintage. Uh, gray metal desk sitting hmm. in the middle. Yeah, with a with a uh, chair of the same age, making model that goes with it. That's this, uh, and it was very it was a comfortable chair actually, uh, and it's got on on wheels on rollers. Okay, and in the corner of each of each corner of the room, there was one of those uh, fiberglass chairs that. You saw back in the '60s and '70s yeah. it were ubiquitous all over the place, yellow <laughs> and green and red, yeah. just ugly.
0: You know, <laughs> it, was, it was it was its own unique flavor, that's for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Boy,
2: and and there was a mirror on the wall, but it was framed well with mm-hmm. wood. And I looked at that and I thought that's got to be a two-way mirror because nobody's right. going to be in here worried about. Their personal appearance.
0: Frame it up. uh, Frame this uh, piece of glass here in this isolated (laughs) lie.
2: It's pretty crazy. Some suspect may want to Uh, groom themselves. Right. Yeah. And I wanted to walk up and cup my hands and look into it, and I was afraid to do that. And the other thing that was in the room was a was a schoolhouse clock, Hmm. uh, an electric schoolhouse clock, GE. And I watched it because – and, and in retrospect, again, I know that this is kind of a police technique, uh, interrogation technique. I'm in there like three hours by myself.
0: I know. That's why I laughed when he said, and he was like, I wouldn't keep him waiting if I was you, because you only got more three more hours, you're going to go sit oh. in a room somewhere oh, man. by yourself. Thank God you took that leak, right, before you ran out. I Absolutely.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. That was a lifesaver.
0: Uh, yeah, no kidding. I'm sure they were counting on that. They were probably hoping, right, that you would just rushed out and be sitting there, you know, anxiously.
2: Were, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I never saw a single soul walk past that room either. So... The two agents that visited me in the hospital walked in and kind of ignored me at first. And they were talking about golf or something and involved in their own conversation. Hmm. And the major kicks me out of the comfortable chair <laughs> and has me take one of the, you know, fiberglass ones. Yeah. And uh, he leans back in his chair and said, well, we might be able to close your file today. Would you like that? Hmm. And I said, yes, sir. I'd like that very much. And he said, well, you know, um, you're going to be uh, hypnotized today. You know that. And we're going to give you some medication that'll help you relax. And, um, you know, we're going to ask you some questions. And we just want you to tell the truth. And I said, well, well back up, sir. What, the, you know, but uh, the hypnosis, the, um, because when I signed these forms, I, I signed four forms right. when I was in the hospital with these guys laid out in front of me, put a pen in my hand, sign here, sign here, sign here. Uh, I couldn't read if I wanted to because of the injury to my eyes. And I okay, said, sir, what signing. are these? Consents and waivers. <laughs> yeah. So I said, sir, I don't I don't want to be hypnotized. And uh, he pulls out this form that I had signed and he slams it on the desk in front of me. And he said, is that not your signature, son? And I said, yes, sir, it is, but I, I don't I don't want to I don't want to do this. And he said, Oh, you don't want to do this? He said, that's fine. He said, we don't have to do this. You can revoke your consent. And I said, I can, sir? He says, Why sure. He said, I just tear this up right now and I'll throw it away. And we'll just see you at the court martial.
0: <laughs> that's everybody's um, favorite oh, thing, a court martial. Come on.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so I decided that, you know, I really don't have a great deal of choice here. I'm going to roll with this. Now, the hypnosis didn't bother me because my undergraduate degree in psychology. had already taken a year and a half of classes on base. And I remember, you know, the guy named, what, Joseph Mesmer and the whole story of hypnosis when we mm. went through that. And, and I knew that you couldn't be hypnotized against your will. So I made the decision that I would... With the hypnotist, at least, I would try to give them half of my mind. Right. Bifurcate my mind. And, and one half, I'm playing Beatle music and Rolling Stones and going through lyrics and then multiplication tables. Yeah. And Just trying anything, to occupy right? Anything to occupy yeah. my mind. And then in the other half, I'm answering his questions. and uh, uh, But I, I didn't know about the drug. The drug worried me a little bit. yeah. And the drug, I found out, is sodium amytol.
0: Oh, really? See, I didn't know because I know in the first one, at least I, 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 you know, I'm sure we didn't, it wasn't mentioned at the time, but you did mention how the, the vial was making you a little nervous, uneasy. It was a kind of orange brown looking substance or whatever in there, which makes me wonder about that pill. Do you think it was like a a, a, a liquid form, more potent version of like that powdered version that they had in that pill capsule, perhaps? I mean, but you said that made you feel stupid, whereas this made you just feel nice and relaxed, you know? Yeah,
2: well, the sodium amytal is classified as a hypnotic. Okay. Uh, and I can, I can see why. It's it's, a, uh, it's like a molecule different from sodium amytol, or pardon me, sodium pentatol, which you hear in the movies all the time, is being used as a, as a truth serum. Okay. Um, and short acting being, you know, 10, 20 minutes, you're in a weird place. So, he takes me through the hypnosis process, which I won't, I won't go through. Uh, I'll just say this, that, you know, it was a progressive relaxation thing. And, uh, you know, I, I assumed a relaxed posture for his benefit. But, uh, you know, I'm tensing my muscles instead of relaxing them. And uh, he had me walk down 10 imaginary stairs, you know, take the first step, feeling relaxed, feeling, you know, that kind of thing.
3: Right.
0: Um, Which is where you said you made that conscious decision to do the opposite, right? He's telling you to take these steps down this room. Each step, you're feeling more relaxed. You're like,
2: I'm going the other way. Uh, yeah. I am not
0: right. going down uh, in this cellar
2: with the darkness. <laughs> yeah, I'm going up, and then uh, he gets me down to the bottom stairs, bottom of the stairs. I'm sure, he had, and he had a really easy voice to listen to. I mean, yeah. You know, and uh, he says, "Okay, we're down at this. We're down in the basement now." And he says, "I want you to raise your right hand." and pull the chain, there's a chain hanging down right within your grasp, and turn on that light. And I was curious, and I waited, and my arm didn't involuntarily do anything.
0: Well, that's what I was wondering. I was like, in your head, because you're kind of holding off, Are you expecting, like, what are they expecting? Am I, is it going to happen, or am I just playing a part here? You know, that's a very key moment that could have could have shown your car, <laughs> shown your hand, it, it, you
2: know? <laughs> it, it, it is, it is. And he said, uh, when i didn't move right away he says more forcefully reach up and pull that chain i thought yeah i'll pull your chain all right <laughs> and i reached up and i made a motion with my hand like i was pulling a chain but it was it was a voluntary it was an intentional movement on mine mm. it wasn't it wasn't the result of any kind of hypnosis so i don't think i was hypnotized at all yeah but when he gave me that drug man it was like bam i was in a weird place yeah and um He asked, uh, he said, you and Toby went on a little camping trip. Is that right? And I said, yes. And he said, and you saw some funny lights in the sky? And I said, yes. And he said, but they weren't really funny lights, were they, Terry? Hmm. And I said, no, not really. And he says, who were they, Terry? You know who they were. And I said, yeah, they're the space people. And I was... Blown away! I couldn't mm. believe that came out of my mouth.
0: Um, yeah, because I pictured that in that moment, I guess. And it's funny how you worded it, how you had the two parts going on. Because in my mind, when I was reading, I'm like, I pictured Terry on this side doing the multiplication and doing doing the Beatles songs and whatever you could. But then this side just answered, and, and then that moment of where you were almost had a I don't want to say like a split personality, but you you had you had the side you were keeping a hold of, but then there was this side that still responded with that that inventory. Invent- 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 voluntary moment where you you answered that and you said i'm surprised to hear those words coming out of your own mouth you know yeah it must be a I very strange a, feeling
2: <laughs> it, it is and that's a very good explanation of, of, of where i was at mentally hmm. um, but the space people uh and when i said when i said that i thought yeah i do know them i, hmm. I do know them and uh you know, I thought back to being a kid and, and the monkey man and all that stuff that, you know, 11 years earlier, I thought I was over. Um, and uh, he asked me a whole bunch of questions. And what he did was every time he'd ask me a question, it would pull up a memory. Yeah. And I think a lot of the memories that I, that I recovered um, really helped me to keep my sanity because I, I think that maybe even like Toby, you know, if, if you have all this stuff suppressed, uh, I don't think that you can stay suppressed forever. And it'll leak up into your conscious mind and uh, I think lead to all kinds of um, of bad results, you know, alcoholism or uh, yeah. drug abuse or personality disorders of some type. Uh, so I feel better having some idea of what happened to me. Right. You know, I still have PTSD-like symptoms. but uh... Well, I tell you what, Terry, because I, 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 Mike and I were actually just talking here separately
0: on Messenger. I, I want to keep going if you're okay with it because I would love to share with the audience. This is We're kind of at a key point here. If you're okay with still going, I would love to. And if not, we can end it, but he, he has to run. But if you're okay with you and I continuing talking, that's okay. Not for much longer, but I wanted to get just a little bit more out there. I don't want you to feel rushed. And leave the audience hanging too much, but it is up to you. Would you like to continue going here, or do you have to run?
2: No, I'm in. I'm in. I, I okay. I'd, I'd like to finish.
0: Perfect. I just wanted to let you say if Michael wanted to say goodbye to you because I know he's got to he's got to go work that
1: night shift. So yeah, uh, I I do apologize about being very quiet, but uh, that's that's just it's who that's where I, where I am. So uh, you gotta get I, the book, i, my I, guy. I, I Send the audio. Break. I do sit and and listen. Um, <laughs> So, but I appreciate your time, Terry. And again, I appreciate your service, but, uh, I do have to run and be at work shortly. So sure. I understand, um, man.
2: Go to work. Yes.
1: You guys, uh, finish up and, and, uh, hopefully our live won't go too much past how long you guys go, but, uh, we'll, we'll see. All right. So you guys have a good night. You
0: too, Mm -hmm. Mike. Be safe. Love you. Take care. Yeah. So anyways, um, yeah, so with with that, with this what was going on when he was d- digging into these questions another thing that I thought was very interesting is that r- when he when he had you th- I forgot to bring this up because I thought we were going to have to keep cut it right off with him there I wasn't sure for a second but when he thought he had you out you know the major made that comment out loud you know wow I did every time I when you when you made that motion with your hand he couldn't believe he said I just every time I've seen this I just can't believe it right which I'm sure for you in the moment and me too made me wonder like how many people are we talking here? You know, you you know <laughs> yeah, you know,
2: I, I, that was exactly my thought. I mean, do you do this to everybody that sees a UFO? I right mean, Because there were a lot of people in the Air Force. I mean, it was all rumors, but uh, you know, I, I knew four or five security policemen who told me that they would routinely see an orange glowing ring, you know once or twice a year over the bunker where they kept the nukes stored, and they claimed it was China a laser light down into the bunker and then hang around for a minute or two and then take off
0: and take Uh, off on them. Hmm.
2: So, uh, and I think I don't think they were lying to me. I think that was, that was true. So, yeah, you know, he, uh, he really, the point he really wanted to get to was, you know, you told these agents that you didn't have any pictures uh, of the thing and he says were you telling the truth? And I said yes sir. And uh he said when you talked to these agents did you tell them the truth? And and I'm so glad that we didn't make up a story. You know, I'm so mm. glad that we were ethical enough to figure out a way to kind of make it. And, yeah. and I could say I could say genuinely no, I didn't lie to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and he was satisfied with that. Uh, but I think they were terribly concerned that I'd secreted away a 36 exposure roll film, like I say. Wish I had.
0: Wish you had, right? Well, and that's something I was curious about. When he was taking you through these memories, because as you, if you anybody has not gotten the book yet, should get it and should read it or listen to it, uh, however suits you. But when you're talking about the instances where you're starting to actually see these memories now, and you because when if you wouldn't mind just briefly at least hitting on, in those moments, what was that like? Because you, you started to see images of what actually happened on the ship, right? You actually started to see this and realize it wasn't just a, a bad dream or something that real yes. memories were coming back.
2: They were. I mean, I've never had a clear linear memory of what happened to us. I have no idea how we got on the ship. Hmm. I'm not even sure that we were on that ship um, because the interior of the thing this thing from the outside looked like a medical building. It was that big. And yeah. from the inside, it looked like you were in an NFL stadium. Hmm. I mean, it made no sense. I mean, so either their physics are, is different than ours or they took us someplace else. I don't know. Uh, but I, I, my first memory was being there and they had taken our clothes off and I'm, I'm nude and I'm holding my boots and my clothing in my hand like this in yeah. front of my chest And I could perceive that Toby's to my left, uh, even though I can't see him, uh, I can't move. Uh, The only thing that I can move is my eyes. So I can roll my eyes around and look, but I can't turn my head up, down, Hmm. sideways anyway. Um, and I have no idea how long we were there. Uh, but I remember trying to drink in as much of this place with my eyes as I could. I'm scared out of my wits, of course. Right. But there's really nothing I can do. Um. And everything inside this place was stainless steel or like white porcelain. The floors were like rubberized gray. Um, And there were multiple stairwells. We were like in an atrium that was open. I couldn't tilt my head back and see how high it went. But I had the feeling like we were in this gigantic building because I could barely perceive figures at the far end. And uh, it was just, it was huge. And... This is where I had the most the most frightening memory. Um, and I think I included it in the book. I'm sure I did. If I didn't, mm. I should have. Um, there was a guy that, there were a bunch of little gray guys running around. And real quick, I have a theory about them. I don't think that they're, they're not sentient in the way that you and I are. They're like little robots or something. I think they're artificial intelligence and quantum computing and nanotechnology and biological yeah. materials. So I think they're manufactured. I don't think they're living.
0: Makes sense. I mean, that's what we're sending to places, right? Mars. I mean, it doesn't look anything like a human being. Yeah. But if if there was something or someone there, that's the first thing they see that relates to us. And it, that's not even what we are. So, But I definitely get what you're saying. Whereas if they yeah. progressed and made something perhaps replicated similar to their –
2: you know yeah, what? they were like drones or worker bees. Now, that was just – that was my experience. I've had people say, oh, well, I met greys, and they weren't mm-hmm. like that at all. I'm yeah. Saying, well, you know, I, I can't imagine there's only one of them out there, so. Yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, I saw a guy walk across my field of vision that was about six foot tall, that was chalkish pink complexion, not gray, and mm-hmm. he walked with an air of authority. And I'm straining my eyes to the left to watch him. And I could see that he was wearing a garment for sure. It was like a gray, like a knit sweater kind of thing with a V-neck. And as I'm straining my eyes to the left, he by happenstance turns his head to the right. And we locked eyes. And this is hard to describe in words. But what happened was when we locked eyes, he was in my head. I mean, I knew he was in my head. I could feel him in my head. Yeah, And he knew me, he knew my wife, he knew my secrets, he knew my plans, he knew everything about me. And I felt like he took a copy, you know, downloaded my head, downloaded my brain. It was the biggest invasion of privacy I ever felt in my life. Uh, And I looked back at at his eyes. uh, He didn't have the huge eyes either. His eyes were like, they were black, but they were more like a pair of wraparound Ray-Bans. And, hmm. I, um you know, the, the analogy that I give for this, because it's the best one that I can give, is that when, when our kids were little, we had a English setter, you know, and yeah. he'd come over and put his head in my lap and I'd pat him and say, good boy. And he'd look up at me with the big brown eyes. Mm-hmm. And I could see in his eyes loyalty, trust, love, you know. Yeah. And I'd look in his eyes and I'd say, you're a good boy, you know, and pat him on the <laughs> head. and. We each knew our respective roles.
3: Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: He knew I was the alpha. Yeah. You know. And in this equation, I felt like the dog. Mm. I felt really inferior to this. Whatever this thing was that locked eyes with me was 500 rungs up the evolutionary ladder from me. I just felt inferior in in every way you can imagine. Uh, And that scared me. That scared me because anything that that's superior to me could discard me as, as easily as, a, you know, mold growing in a Petri dish. Yeah, you know? I
0: was to say, it, it, it's, it's so, um, it, it puts, we already feel insignificant with the bare minimum understanding we have. I, I don't think we really understand how <laughs> insignificant you, I mean, in that moment too, the pure terror of what like you're saying, to, to rest, recognize just how insignificant we can be even with other sentient beings, you know?
2: And we're not the top, we're not the be all end all. We're not top of the food chain. That was a revelation too.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, uh, it's something that my brother Mike and I have discussed with, you know, like how we view animals and then, hey, what if uh, that relationship can go two ways? So, I mean, that's, it's, 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 it challenges your worldviews at times. I'll say that. And that's not always a bad thing, but for some people I know it's too much for them or whatever, but. It's, I, I think it's part of our reality and we just ignore it, but that doesn't make it go, <laughs> it doesn't make it not exist just because we ignore it, you know? I agree. Now, if you don't mind my asking, in this moment you could perceive Toby to your left, you, you see this being and when you guys locked eyes and you felt like he, so you felt like he just knew everything about you. You couldn't hide anything on your thoughts and who and what Terry was was personal anymore. Every part of you was exposed is how you felt? Yes. Okay. And in this moment, did you perceive or feel that there were others there as well, or was it just you and Toby?
2: Oh no, there were there were others there. Uh, oh, there were there was a group of humans that were we were kind of segregated over to the left, and these these people were over to my right, and I could strain my eyes and barely see them, but I could see them. And what was disturbing was they were lined up in rows and columns, and I couldn't see I couldn't since I couldn't turn my head I couldn't see how far back. The, the rows went.
3: Mm.
2: Uh, so it could have been 20 people. It could have been 100 people. I don't know. Right. But what was disturbing was they were a mixed bag of men, women, and children. Mm. And uh, when they kicked us out, when they were done with us, they didn't kick those people out. And yeah. And I wonder to this day, you know, like survivor guilt, what happened to those people? Yeah. You know, and we're looking at them, and I don't know how long they'd been standing there, but... Their eyes are all, you know, moving around all over the place, and they're all crying. There's tears down their eyes. Hmm. So um, I don't know what happened with them or what was happening with them. But uh, and then the other human beings I saw—I I swear they were human beings. They looked like human beings. I saw uh, six. It might have been seven. It was a mix of men and there was one woman, um, and they were—they wore. Tan colored flight suits. Um, and I didn't know, they're nowhere in the Air Force or Navy, Coast Guard, no, I, I didn't know of any branch of the service that wore tan flight suits. Yeah. Uh, and they had an orange patch on their left shoulder because they walked from my right to my left across from me. And they were too far away for me to see what was on that white patch. I'd love to have known. Um, something white, uh, hmm. white writing or something. Uh, but I, 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 I mean, they were too far away. Um, but, you know, these guys carried themselves like they were crew members. Uh, and they wouldn't look at us or the other humans. They wouldn't look at us. Hmm. Uh, I never heard them speak. Uh, the one guy who was at the front of the line walked up to what looked like a panel. But I I, I couldn't see it because it was in my line of sight where I could only see it from the side. So I don't know what he was doing. It looked like he was, you know, punching buttons or something. Yeah. And then they just turned around and walked away. And I noticed that the boots that they wore looked like issue combat boots. They looked like the same thing that I wore. <laughs>
0: See, <laughs> I know. And that's right. And people can say what they want. You know, I mean, I I, I call it being curious. Some people say I'm just conspiratorial minded. But you got to wonder sometimes. There's no uh, with the, With your case in particular, I feel like it, it – is a clear indicator of the relationship that has clearly been taking place for we don't really know how long between entities within not all everybody in the military but you know we always we paint a broad stroke for all the cia or whatever but there's entities out there black budget groups and organizations that know what's going on and i truly believe have been dealing with these situations the best they can and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know because I just don't know enough about it to, to really give a good opinion. One part of me is worried that, you know, maybe it isn't a good thing. But one part of me is maybe it would be a lot worse if they weren't doing it. I don't know. I don't know well, what the deal would be.
2: I think that's spot on. I mean, we don't have enough information. I don't even have enough information. You
3: know,
0: yeah.
2: I know what happened to me, mm-hmm. um, but they didn't kill me. You yeah. know, They hurt me, but I think it was collateral damage. Uh you Know they took me into like a, like a treatment room, but the whole thing had a medical clinical vibe to it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like a torture session at all, yeah. So, uh,
0: but that, that is an instance where you met another being as well, correct? I mean, this is where you so you're seeing on the ship, I guess, is what I'm saying for the, maybe those that are listening is that it sounds I don't know why I thought of it this way, but as a kid, you know, we, we had a very Paradigm, a big paradigm shift for myself, maybe four years ago, in relation to this topic, and I'd always been intrigued by it. Even though it was like taboo in the house we grew up in, but for whatever reason, I didn't imagine a broad spectrum of uh, species, which was a silly thing, a notion to not to not think like that. But it, it just didn't register for me. I guess I, I like you had like the five five or ten that were popular, but the idea of bugs or mantis beings never even came up for me. But then you start peeking at this and in and, and your direct, and, you know, your own experience, you had an uh, an interaction with a mantis-like being, correct?
2: I, I did. I did. Probably seven foot tall. Uh, it had a large green head, hmm. big bulbous um, eyes. And, you know, I always picture this guy in a white lab coat. You know, I, in my mind, I, I think of him as Dr. Bug. <laughs> and, you know, I... Had letters from people. I've, out of these 1,600 emails plus emails I've got from people, I've had several people say, I ran into Dr. Bug too. Mm. So um I always picture the guy in a white lab coat. Was he wearing a light, white lab coat? I doubt it. Right. But I think that's the projection that he gave. Because the whole thing had a medical vibe to it. Yeah. Uh, and they they took my clothing from my hands and, and put me up on this table. The greys did. Hmm and then he's doing something to my lower spine that hmm. that hurt a lot and i'm trying to scream and i you know my my jaw is frozen so i only have a little bit of an opening to scream but i can scream anyway yeah and i'm screaming as loud as i can and i'm really puzzled because i can't hear myself scream i can't hear anything yeah and i'm filling my lungs with air and screaming as loud as i can And I'm doing this and plus it hurts, you know, he's hurting me. So um, he stops what he's doing and he turns his head in my direction. And with his left eye, we make eye contact. And I heard him in my head as audible as any spoken word I've ever heard. And he said, why are you screaming? Stop screaming. You know, we don't hurt you. You know, we take you back. now. Stop screaming. And he reached over with a big green digit and tapped me on the forehead and I was out. Yeah. I.
0: And see, this is, I, I mean, first of all, I i thank you for sharing, you know, that that story and, and talking about it. Because I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot to do. You know what I mean? That's that's a lot to process as someone who has gone through it. But just thinking about it, even as someone who's listening to you tell this, that tells you right there where, you, where you're talking about the evolutionary chain, the ladder, right? Where you're at. Uh, that's how we that's that's how we would probably treat an animal I mean the only thing is is that when we all have different levels of compassion and I'm not I'm not throwing all of them you know based on one experience well that's how they all are because I'm sure they have diverse personalities perhaps but it tells you where you're at, right? You're there to, it seems like the vibe I was getting from the book was they were there to do a job, like you said. There wasn't compassion. There wasn't, uh, hey, it's okay. You're safe. Or, this is okay. You know, it was, we have a job to get done, and you're kind of slowing my process down by your screaming. That was yeah, that, that's how yeah. I felt. <laughs> for I,
2: I, I had that thought often is that if I could sit down in an environment where I'm comfortable, not in his, in his world, but sit down in my world, you know. And have a glass of beer in my backyard, or, mm. you know, and just talk. Uh, yeah. I think he would say, you know, hey, no hard feelings, man, just doing my job. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do. Right. I, I, I think that's what he'd say. Yeah. So, the no malice intent there. Just, uh, I no, I do have another
0: question. and I'm kind of backtracking on you a little bit, but when when you were seeing these flashes, so when you seen the ones that looked like human beings and looked like they had military styled combat boots, did, were you expressing this to the to I think his name was Brad or whatever we called him, the hypnotist? Oh yeah, you? I
2: did. I was in the interrogation wow. room because that's one of the memories I really didn't have until mm. they they pulled it up. You know, when I was in the interrogation room and I saw it in my mind's eye. Yeah. And I believed that it was a real event. This was not a a, a delusion or this happened. Yeah. Uh, And I'll tell you how I know it happened. As soon as I said, yeah, there were other humans on board, they wore tan flight suits. And these were young kids, 18, 20, Mm. uh, with military uh, style haircuts. Yeah. And uh, I heard... One of the, the agent, the older agent, say, an expletive. Hmm. And there's a shuffle of papers. Uh, that really hit a nerve with them. Hmm. And the, the guy doing the hypnosis, um, he he told me to call him Brad. Major Brownfield was his name. He told me to call him Brad. And he says, now, Terry, you didn't see that. That's not um. real. <laughs> and he said, you know. That's just an ugly memory. And I'm going to take that away for you. I'm going to count to three and that'll be gone. One, two, three. And I'm thinking, this is my memory. I own it. <laughs> I live through it. I'm keeping it. Right. For better or worse. Um, yeah. So I did
0: so, I mean, that's, I guess that's what was amazing too, is that it, now outside of that one incident where it seemed to cause the shuffle and a little bit of a ruffle to the feathers, they didn't seem that surprised by what you were talking about, right? It didn't seem like it was earth shaking news for them. They seemed like this was like just doing their job, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, when he walked in that, my hospital room, you know, day two of being back, uh, and he said, I know when you know, um. Uh, they knew. I, I don't know how they knew. Uh, I don't. Know, I don't know if it was park rangers that called them and said, "Hey, you know, there was a UFO here chasing your airmen out," or or what. But I. I don't think so. I think they knew some way independent, and that's just an assumption. I got nothing, nothing to back that up with. But I, I think that they knew. I was going to
0: say I, I. Another thing that. So, because for your experience, at least on, I guess I should have laid that out too. Because when when the spying tapped you on the head and, and that ends, what you've seen on the craft, and you expressed how big it was too, right? You talked about how it's massive, and it looked like there was other crafts within that craft, right? Other so sil- there, there were there were yeah. three
2: saucers in there to my left that were just, I mean, they were just classic flying saucers, uh, and they were lined up. I mean, like planes under a carrier deck. And there were these huge garage doors, uh, right in front of them. I guess so they could get in and out. You know. Uh, so and I when, saw, saw a golf cart thing that had no wheels that was transporting huh. a bunch of greys, kind of just floating along. Just floating
3: along.
0: I so so when that when that when that ended, I guess when when what you saw on the craft ends or the being touches you in the head is that when you went back to the 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 monkey men or was that in the beginning when you said they were the spacemen and that you knew them
2: it was, be- we started off with i said they were the spacemen they were the space people is okay. what i said i never talked about the monkey men during this uh, interrogation <laughs>
0: that's right that's right you how
2: did that come that came up
0: i must be misplacing the timeline because I, I thought that came up in that one but I, clearly it did not I must have you misplaced know, maybe it. Did.
2: Maybe it did. The <sighs> feel, name Monkey Man came up. Yeah.
0: Well, I think, you know what? I think maybe it did, now that I'm thinking about it, is because it came up in the beginning and he asked who are the, 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 the space. You said they were the spacemen and you said, I know them. Uh, I used to call them the Monkey Men or something that's like that. That's right.
2: And then he asked. When I was a kid, I knew them yeah, as the Monkey Men. That's yeah. right.
0: I had to think about. It. I should have wrote that one down for myself. I had a terrible memory sometimes, but yeah. So, because then that's when you had that moment and realization of the the mask being unmasked a little more. And I know we kind of started with your poem there, getting so. For those that might be you know listening to this right now, it, it, that's when you've seen a switch, right? Something swapped out for you there.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and, and I didn't know if they're the same. I assumed that they were the same beings. Uh, but, you know, I was confused too because I'd seen two flying saucers <laughs> and I thought I knew everything that, about, you know, extraterrestrial <laughs> spacecraft, right? Uh, and this yeah. wasn't a saucer. Ergo, it must have been something else. Uh, uh, um, yeah, it was just something that I had never in my wildest dreams ever imagined seeing.
3: Hmm.
0: And that's, I guess that's what I'm saying is that it's interesting how – be, it looks like with these beings or whatever's going on that they can either completely cause you to to to, to be fuzzy or, or not sure it's there. There's something there. We know it's there and it's deep in us, but you can't put it. It's just not clear. It's fuzzy, and it, or like there's not faces to what you see or whatever. And then there's times where the with the childhood stuff where. It seems to be there's these images, but they're just not what they were, right? But the images at the time, until you've seen that, it was, I mean, you've seen it as a monkey person, as a monkey man. That was the image you've seen or they wanted you to see. So I find it interesting that at times that they completely erase things and at times they allow you to see something, but maybe not as in reality of what it was. And whatever the reasoning behind that is, I don't know, maybe they think that they're you know, because we all live on Earth, so that kid that seen a possum, man, maybe they just thought he, you know, one time he laughed at a possum, and they th- thought he'd have a great time seeing one walking on two feet if they projected themselves that way. I don't know, but it's oh, it's always so mind puzzling, you know, boggling to me that you know people always want to chalk off these experiences. Well, they didn't see the same as me, or they didn't see the same, so it's not that doesn't count. I'm like, well, you, we really don't know what we're dealing with here at period at all, and yeah. so if we're having the only underlying thing that I can seem to say and you probably have much more data for this is that there is something happening in relation to strong childhood memories and dreams and whether we see the same thing or not might I think it's a little more irrelevant it's it's that feeling of what happened and what took place tells you that some something has to be there with that I mean you can't why a possum you know like <laughs> or any, whatever the thing is that it projects itself yeah. as it makes
2: you almost zero sense it makes near zero sense but you know what it may, may may make a lot more sense than we think I mean mm. I think that they have the ability to um, know how the kids going to perceive what he, what he sees because when I first saw these monkey men they didn't frighten me I thought they mm. were kind of comical
0: that's you true you said so they were like little circus monkeys right yeah that is true. and I, Some of the other people, and again, I, this has only briefly happened where we, we finally started talking to a few people about some of the stuff in their dreams. A majority of them seem to be, and that's why I was curious about what the monkey meant for you, if there was some sort of experience you had with that. Because for for some of us that had had these dreams, almost all of ours were tied back to a movie that impacted us. And for whatever reason, the way these dreams would start, it's always that movie. That movie is the only thing that I'm seeing is a commonality. Different movies – but the thing that's projecting to them is that whatever that thing was that either brought them fear or happiness, but it appears as that that movie is the, is the existence of what's taking place. Um, and, and that's, I don't know. And again, you have 1600 cases here, way more, but it, it, it seemed interesting to me that it seemed to be tied to something. And maybe they're having a harder time understanding, perceiving what fear is or happiness. You know, maybe like you said, they think it's something they want you to see. Um, I don't know, but, uh, it, it, I I got you off track there. I went way way too far with the with no, the monkey no, man no, stuff. That, that's that's,
2: that's <laughs> it's a, it's a good point. It's a good no. point.
0: So with with that wrapping up, they thought they had you in the bag though, right? They he thought he went in, extracted whatever memories that they needed, and that they felt they were confident in knowing you didn't have any photos and that they had done their job, right? That's I really, mean as. I so and again, I, I don't think if he gave a number, I don't remember if he did, if the major did, but I want to say it said you, you estimated maybe hundreds, 50 to 100 people they had done this with before. I mean, is it right? I don't know if he gave a number or not.
2: I don't think I gave a number. I think what I was trying to say was you know, it, it's going to be a big number if they do this to everybody that sees a UFO. Mm.
0: You know. Right, which obviously, I mean, you and Toby had a little more, a little more of an incident than just seeing one, clearly. Yeah, we had but
2: a little, little greater end- level of intimacy than yeah. the average person. So.
0: Which I thought was interesting, too. You did bring it up, and I suppose that's worth noteworthy for people that are perhaps listening, if this is triggering anything for them to think about, is that you said, you told... Uh, Brown, while this is going on, hey, we're not supposed to talk about this, right? You brought that up to him. You said that there, there was penalties or a price
2: for we'll bringing pay a this? price for this. Hmm. They're going to be mad at us. We shouldn't talk about it. You know, for forty five years, I didn't talk about it. Yeah, i, I until I saw those X rays in twenty twelve, mm-hmm. and when I saw that, that was just it was a slap in the face. It was a catalyst. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, my wife was shocked. I brought the topic up. Uh, yeah. We we didn't talk about it because it would give me nightmares. I couldn't sleep for a week, you know? And I felt so guilty. Uh, and I don't know why. You know how I felt? I felt like I was violating some kind of sacred family secret, you know, some kind of fiduciary trust of some kind. Right. Um, and uh, that was hard to deal with. And I just moved through it and... Uh, Started talking to people and, uh, you know, wrote about it and that's been good for me.
0: Well, that's, that was only other, I only had like just three more things I wanted to hit with you and then I, I promise I'll let you get out of it. Do you, first of all, do you need to use the bathroom or anything right now? No, I, I'm well, good. You sure? Good. Okay. I just wanted to make, I don't want you sitting there. <laughs> um, so the only other question I had is that, like you said, after this incident, your case gets closed, things are pretty good. You served down the rest of your time and you, you moved on into your career and, for the most part, outside of a couple incidents where you, you know, the bookstore where you seen an image that bothered you and triggered you in the, in the open
2: Streber's book, yes, mm.
0: and and open spaces were still a thing that this was still bothersome to you at this time, even right,
2: even to this day.
0: Okay, so but outside of that, life was relatively normal, right? Normal as it can be, where you know, we're just going about doing our thing and working our career. The one thing that I noticed that stuck out to me was well, obviously, you had the incident with. Um, Oh, was it Tammy? Was that the name he gave to her?
2: Cheryl. Is who I call
0: Cheryl her. Oh, Cheryl. I don't know. I'm sorry when I yeah, said
2: Tammy. The lady that had the mental illness that got yeah. me the amazing photograph. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But 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 with
0: with okay, so that's my question about the whole thing. And for those that maybe we're not gonna get to hear about it all tonight, go read the book. You gotta hear the story. But with this photograph that she ends up taking Right. That you had an expert who had served, I want to say, 40 something years or more on the railroad himself, look at and say, oh, hey, yeah, you he said this is this is a this is a real threat. If this is something that's going on, we need to notify somebody. And then you you have it locked away and put away. And then you guys have this incident where there's a break in. And again, like you said, I mean, this is something that for 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 uh, a a lawyer to, to to lose you know something that belongs to a client is a very big deal but yet this was something that to, I mean have you thought about that I know it was just kind of it was mentioned in the book but to me that stood out because you had this break in a couple small things go missing the letter or the envelope that it's in remained intact but that photo was gone so that's right why I mean to me what, why why not just take the whole thing you know or or whatever the case was why have you thought about it? Has that ever kept you up at night like why that photo <laughs> you know oh I mean? yeah
2: yeah what 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 was so uh what was so incriminating about that yeah i mean i don't know i don't get it and it uh, seemed you know, i used to, i showed it to a couple of people right how was i say yeah you know, what you know some people said it looks like a christmas tree some people said uh, you know, it looks like a flying saucer. I mean, you hmm. know, it was pretty much across the board. Um, so I don't know. Maybe they didn't like me doing that. I, I don't Something. Know.
0: I definitely, like, to me, like I said, it's for me. And again, conspiratorial, whatever. But I, I still think, yeah, maybe, and yeah, maybe you do today. Maybe you feel the same too. Whether it be them for sure, still watching, or an entity of the government that keeps a tab on you. Somebody seemed, that job just seemed like it was. You know like you said, if you if you're if you were a drug addict or whatever was going on, you're just trying to get things that are value. Nothing was taken of value, right? Your computers, any of the stuff that would have been the high, big money sellers.
2: Yeah, a bunch All of intake. parking tokens, parking <laughs> tokens from my desk, a twenty dollar bill that I kept in my desk. Uh, I had a pair of antique justice scales that somebody gave me that I just yeah. bought them because I thought they were cool on my bookshelf. They took those, and that was it. Uh, See who breaks into a law <sighs> office? That's just insane.
0: This is where I'm with Eric Mitchell on this, and I heard him. I actually listened to both your episodes. People should go check this out too. With uh, oh, oh my goodness, I'm having a brain fart right now. Jimmy, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Church over there. Uh, yeah. Both yourself, you and Eric, were back to back over there. But Eric was talking about how the guys, you know, we perceive the CIA. We got the Hollywood version of it, where you know, these these guys that are taking everybody out. But now I'm really thinking from based on what he said about them, just being a bunch of nerds and then you're breaking. It was like these, these nerdy guys broke in, and they knew how to get the picture, but they wanted to make it look like a job went down, but they didn't know what value was apparently, or how to look like a, uh, you know, the street uh, just running the streets kind of deal. And so they took things that made zero, <laughs> zero sense. And I mean, it, it just didn't, it led more questions than it did answering any at all. <laughs> it, it, was it, not, it did
2: because <laughs> so, the flip side of that coin is, You know, they took stuff, maybe that they took my parking tokens, my my justice scales, and Mm. my $20 bill, and left everybody else's stuff alone. Maybe that was a message to me.
0: I I don't know. I was going to say, I just wanted to bring it up, because people should go read this, obviously, the book, and, and get the full story behind that. But the only things that I thought were really worth noting with you, too, and obviously, you have a ton of things. We could go all night, but you had the incident with your bike. Were you again? You had more missing time. Nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah, and I mean, and, and granted, it, in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't you know tons of time, but it was it was a significant enough time that your wife was very worried, and uh, led to you selling the bike. I mean, like you said, you weren't going to let that come between you and the wife. And hey, I, I trust me. I get it. If, if 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 the wife feels like you're making it uh, something coming in before her, you know, you better. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: It's going to create. Yeah, I'd rather be rid of the bike. Yeah, right. So.
0: But yeah, you had that incident where you had some some missing time, again, not not a significant amount, but have you ever gotten any answers to that? Or have you you spoke on that in a later book, I guess, that maybe people should I do speak
2: about that in The Reckoning, and I've had some some recall, um, Hmm. and I think that they took me off that bike
0: yeah, because you ended up on a dirt road, which anybody who rides yeah, a bike would know, know they, <laughs> that's well, not a good know. idea. <laughs> yeah, know?
2: I mean, I never, I would never take my bike on on dirt and gravel. You know. Yeah. And uh, I was I was on a paved road. I knew where I was. I'd been on that track uh, uh, dozens of times. Hmm. And I'm just throttling back from about 75 to 60 because I got a curve coming up, and then I blink, and then I'm on a road doing 30. A gravel road doing 30. I mean, it was just mm. like if we were in a motion picture and you cut 30 feet of film out and spliced it together. Yeah. It was just yeah. seamless. So I can understand how people could experience missing time and maybe never even know it. no, I have no way to know it.
0: And that's the scary part in some ways. I mean, I suppose in, so, in some way, and I've gone back and forth in my head. Sometimes I'm like, you know what? What are you going to do, right? I nothing I could do about it. There's nothing any of us could do about it if it's happening to you. So it's, it's, what are you going to do? It is what it is. And hopefully you can get a men, a positive mental uh, outlook on it and see what positives you can bring from it. But it is terrifying. when you think about it all alone at night in the house or wherever you you see, you don't know. And I think one of the thoughts that gets to me though, is like, so I know that eventually in the future, if something happened currently right now, I wouldn't know. But in that moment that I'm living it, there's going to be a moment where I know it's happening. Before I don't know, you know if that is that a weird way of saying that, but
2: no, I, that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, yeah, and you're, you're going to have <laughs> the awareness before they take it away. Yeah, and or try to wipe it away. Yeah,
0: yeah, um, and you know another thing that was interesting too was that we, <laughs> for those that say, well, you know, all right, so this guy had an experience, whatever, back in the '70s. Take it or leave it. Now we're bringing us back to the to the the tracker in your knee here. What about your instance with the uh, with the watch where you magically where you magically were able to climb forty flights of stairs in like a second, I <laughs> mean, or a minute. I'm sorry, a minute or whatever. So, yeah,
2: there's a picture. I have a picture of that in my in the second book in the red book, The Reckoning. Mm-hmm. I got a picture of this. Don't laugh. iPhone six. <laughs> there you uh, go. That I, but I wear a uh, t shirt. You know, I've done this since the 1980s. I started listening to. Uh, you know, my Walkman at night with mm. headphones okay, to keep the ambient noise down at night because I have to leave a light on. Yeah. And if okay. I hear, you know, a weird noise or the house settling makes a creak, I mean, I'm out of bed with a handgun and a flashlight and I got to go through the whole house and- yeah. uh, that's that PTSD type thing.
0: Yeah. So, no, that's that's a hundred percent. But it's I mean, my grandfather served in um, all on the military side of the my father's side. Uh, that's how he was. He had to have that TV on. That TV he could be sleeping, but you shut that TV off, and and it, it, I mean he would he would wake, he'll me wake up. He'll wake up. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's this way it I get it. I understand it a little bit.
2: So I have this uh, iPhone that's supposedly shielded against EMF, hmm. so I can sleep with it in my pocket. Yeah. And uh and listen to my meditative uh, apps at night and uh and sleep. Well, I yeah, I, I woke up at 5:55 a.m. out of breath and uh I thought I was having another heart attack and I told my wife you better call an ambulance and she called an ambulance. They took me to the hospital. And you know, I know the drill by now, you know, car- yeah. uh, cardiac enzymes, chest x-ray and an EKG, you know. Boom, yeah. Boom, boom. <laughs> and uh by the time I get there, my, my pulse was tachycardic. I mean, it was like 170 or something crazy. And my by the time I get to the hospital, my vital signs have all calmed down to normal. And I feel okay, you know? Hmm. And uh, it wasn't until that evening they kicked me out of the hospital. And we went home and we had dinner. And after dinner, I went out for my walk like I, I'm a creature of habit, I, like I always do. try to walk a, between a half mile and a mile and a half every night. Yeah. So... And I always take my phone with me to clock my steps. So I got a record of, you know, how well I'm doing. And I I hit the uh, health app and I saw that I had climbed six flights of stairs. And it was between 523 and 524 a.m., according to Apple. And you notice there's only one spike. There's one red spike that goes straight up. (laughs) Well, I can't climb six flights of stairs, in sixty second span,
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> so P- plus where you live, I mean, <laughs> that's the other thing. Yeah, like I, I
2: live in a Texas ranch house. The only yeah. step I got is four inches tall at the threshold of my house. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and Apple looked at it, and you know, you can. It, it clearly says on the first screen: six flights climb, six flights of stairs, five twenty four a.m. Hmm. And then there's an X Y graph, uh, you know, where the X Uh, is a vertical indicating height in 10-foot increments. And then the Y scale that goes from left to right at the bottom denotes passage of time. And this thing happened in a minute span. And um, I asked the engineer that looked at my phone. She said she was an electrical engineer. Um, She said, nothing wrong with the app, nothing wrong with the phone. Hmm. And I said, "Well, what does that mean?" She said, "That means that this phone was sixty feet over your location." That's what it means.
0: <laughs> Which, again, I, I again, I'm not here to try and sell this to anybody, right? Either you know, it is what it is. People see it and they have their own thoughts and feelings on it, but like. I mean, that's, there's so much evidence with your, with your stuff, Terry, is that, you know, for myself and I didn't mean anything to anybody else, but I mean, I a hundred percent believe the things that you've gone through and, and uh, you know, speaking out about those things are not easy, but then you have so much other antidotal evidence that, or I shouldn't say antidotal, but you have so much other tangible evidence that you can point to, to say, Hey, what are you out there doing? I, I know the one guy brought up that you know, he had people saying, well, maybe he put it on a drone and he was flying. Okay, Cool. Yeah, maybe Terry went out at five twenty-three in the morning in his tidy whities and he flew that thing sixty feet in the air. Yes, sure. And it
2: incurred eight hundred dollars in medical bills for yeah it, for <laughs> it, yeah. In, in, in my in my book, I included copies of the bills because they're dated the same date as the cell phone, April sixteenth, twenty
0: nineteen. There you go. So. Yeah. And that's, that's, for me, like I said, at a certain point, people either, you know, they believe it or they don't. And I tell people, research, look into it for yourself. That way you know it for yourself too. If I tell you something and you believe it, somebody else comes and tells you something, they're going to take it from you. But you figure it out for yourself. And that's not, that's not something somebody could take from you. That's because you know it now. And Now you know it because you know it. And that's, yeah. you know, that's where people should try to get to it. Um, now, one thing I did have a question about, and I will, I will let you go. There's two more important things that... I find very intriguing, and it's too bad Mike is not here, but he'll hear this when he listens back to it, dealing with the, the, with the marker that you had in your, your knee was you, you had an instance in both you and your wife, it seems to have met this being, and I believe you had a memory of recalling perhaps seeing her on the craft, even in 77, I want to say, the original time, um, which is what led to you kind of having issues with the older Asian lady in your neighborhood. Yeah. Um, now, sure. have you... Sorry, Go ahead.
2: Yeah, I, I can give you a quick rundown of her. Uh, and she was in. She was not attached to the seventy-seven incident. I never saw her.
0: Oh, uh, what was uh, the incident then? Where you said you were you were kind of ashamed, but you were kind of trying to peek in a little bit. What what, what incident was that then? Because in the book, it said that you had a moment where you said you felt kind of shame, but you were trying to peek like on the inside of the garments a little bit. But you felt then you felt gross about it, or you felt disgusted. Yeah. I believe was the term you used.
2: This this entity. Uh, I should start at the beginning. and It make okay. more sense. Um, these memories have have come back to me, and you know, whenever if you ask Calvin Parker or Travis Walton or anybody that's or Eric Johnson, when you bring this when you bring this stuff up and you you and you puke it out and you talk about it, um, stuff comes back to you. It's like it opens a doorway, and I've had like some weird paranormal events. Uh, I won't won't go into them. Just some freaky things like my television turns itself on at 2 a.m., you know, and it's been doing it for years. It doesn't matter which TV it is, and we're not even frightened by it anymore. We just get up, go turn it off, (laughs) and I say out loud, hey, knock it off, you know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. When I was a kid, I recall that when they used to take me, they would take me to a – Uh, A round, white room uh, with a padded, like a rubberized floor. And there would always be the same group of kids there. And we were Mm. supervised by an entity that I called Betty. Okay. Pardon me. Wrong. I called her Sue. Yeah. And I called her Sue because she looked like the Asian woman that lived in back of us. Mm Mm-hmm. And... uh, I saw her again in 1987, I believe. I believe that, that during that missing two hours uh, of time that she ride. took me then.
0: That, that's where I mixed it up. That, I, I apologize because you, you did do some regression with that particular timeline, didn't you? Or with um, with your incident, I'm sorry, with the, uh, the your phone. You did some regression that way too.
2: I did. I believe, yeah. I didn't get a whole lot, but I got some. But. Right. And then, you know, Betty came and visited me. In my home. And I know, you know, this, I I really ask that your audience bear with me because I know some of this stuff just is so outrageous that it's just hard to believe. And and that's okay. I understand that. I understand that. Right. Uh, But that being said, this is what happened. And that was that I I woke up in our living room. And this was the third week in October, 2017. Mm. And my book was almost done. And I was talking to this doctor in Tijuana about taking this thing out of my leg, because he didn't need a, a cardiac clearance letter. Yeah. He said, "No," he said, "You sign a waiver, I'll take it out for you." And uh, I had planned to go down to Tijuana and get it taken out of my leg. And what I wanted was, I wanted a you know forensic transfer so I could have it in my hand, and that didn't happen because they came and they took it out beforehand. But I woke up in my Living room, Uh, three o'clock in the morning, it's like I open my eyes and I'm like, what am I doing here? You know, I never sleepwalked, not a day in my life. Yeah. And uh, I kind of feel that sedated feeling. I don't feel freaked out. I don't feel alarmed in any way. Mm -hmm. And I glance over and I look at the alarm panel because it's just to my left and everything is set. And then I look over and the cat is just all chill laying out like cats do. Yeah, and seated directly across from me is uh, Sue or Betty. I turn. I called her Betty, um, and this is. I know this is crazy, but oh, she wore I a wig. Figure. She wore a wig. She wore a black mm. wig, and it was. It sat on her head kind of askew because it was a wig made for a human head, and her yeah. head is bigger.
0: Yeah. I don't mean to laugh it's just that if they've literally used that in movies they we've all seen the alien movie it's 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 from the scary movies they're just parodies but they were talking about the aliens trying to wear that and that's what everybody was making fun of they're like your hair looks
3: terrible <laughs> Like it's,
2: yeah uh, and, and, and you know uh, the reason i chose to call her betty was because she reminded me of betty rubble from the flintstones back mm. in the 60s the cartoon yeah and uh we communicated telepathically, and it felt as normal as talking to you.
3: It,
2: hmm. it was uh, a weird experience, and she told me. She said, "You know, you shouldn't talk about your story, and you can't have you ha- can't have that thing taken out of your leg." And she said, "They won't allow it. They won't allow that to fall into the hands of quote terrestrial scientists." That can't happen. Hmm. So,
0: so in her mind. The terrestrial scientist being earth scientist, correct? Being, correct. Yeah, yeah.
2: And, and it, then three, and, three weeks ahead. later, I woke up with the injuries and found out that they they came and taken it out. My yeah.
0: And that's I, I, for Mike, obviously, if you're listening. So that's that's why that <laughs> it was there and then it wasn't there, but then leaving the, the remnants that were left over. Um, but, you know, another the, the thing that she said that I thought was super thought provoking or for anybody that pays attention to it was that it, it seemed that not only did she mention that perhaps your own government, you know, your, your own species at were could take you out. But yes. she hinted at the fact that the people – it's not, correct me if I'm wrong, but it almost sounded like she worded it as in the people that I represent, it seemed like. It was like she was like an ambassador or an I guess you would say, in in a sense, because she kind of worded it that they won't allow this, and I'm trying to give you a heads up.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, she referred to them, uh, the aliens, as her host. Because yeah. Because she used that word, and you know, the word host, I mean – I mean, it could be a noun. It could be a verb. It could be a parasitic uh, symbiotic relationship between two organisms. You can host a dinner party. I mean, there's lots of different meanings to the word. And I asked her, who are your hosts? And she said, you call them aliens. I call them my hosts. They're not alien to me. And I thought, well, Mm. that's kind of poetic, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and... I'm sorry, I was, if you had a thought, please, I was say, I, I should stop talking so much more and let you, <laughs> people are here to hear what you have to say, so I should stop interrupting you, I just, every time you say something, it just, it tra- was, so many things, you're like, man, what about this, and what about that, and, I, I Do you feel then in some ways, and I don't know if this is too far, there would be two questions I'd have and i would pretty much done with taking up your time this evening, which we greatly appreciate,
2: by the way. I appreciate um, and I'm sure, the opportunity to talk to your awesome audience. So. Oh,
0: for sure. I, I am going to say, I hope, I mean, I'm sure there'll be those that are enthralled. There'll be a couple maybe interesting emails from one or two that are not, but that's the way it goes. <laughs> yeah. But um, would you, did you ever get the sense or feeling that perhaps, because she didn't look like your standard gray, right? Like it, it, it did. Did she, no?
2: She didn't look like a textbook gray, no.
0: Right. So did you get the sense that she was like a hybrid of some sort that was was a was a bridge? Yes. And it, have you, and again, this would be the one question I, I, I wanted to ask you, but I know it's, it's a deeply personal question. If you're not okay there, that's completely okay. Have you ever felt that there's a chance that that's part of what you were used for, or let's put it in these terms, perhaps... Uh, an extension of oneself that could be given that was extracted is being used in that sense. I mean, it's even hinted at in your poem. So it's, have you thought about that? And and has that been a difficult process to deal with?
2: I believe that. Yeah. I, I have nothing to prove that, but I, I believe that. And I wonder, and that's worrisome to me Mm. uh, only in the fact that, you know, if, if there is someone out there that I'm biologically, genetically related to, yeah, you know, just like my own children, I'd like the opportunity to know them.
3: Right.
0: Yeah, I because I, I have three little ones. You know, I have I have three of them all under the age of five, but I have three little ones, and it's I, I understand that maybe that's the difference in the connection of what makes us human. Obviously, is that we 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 deeply care. Most people deeply care for their own children. There's a, there's a connection that even I didn't meet my own biological father until I was 19. Um, mm-hmm. and there's still a connection that you have and you, there's all, there's a yearning and a want to know, right. That other part of the picture. Um, and, and I've, I've often wondered about these instances where you're, you're having, especially in our childhood or like that instance where they were doing whatever they were doing with your back. That seems like a lot of, that's a, That's a common area for spinal fluid and uh, cerebral cords and things of that nature that could be. There's a lot of science that they could tweak that way and extract. Um, But it's it's for us. I think this is why I think you should get in touch if if you don't know her, Samantha Moat. I think it's I Moat or Moat.
2: Moat is what I wrote down.
0: Yeah. Um, and again, if I don't, Ben and Joe for sure can get uh, Joe can get you in touch with her for sure. And so can okay. Dave Scott and Eric Mitchell. Sure. A b- bunch of them. <laughs> so um, she is a She is in a situation where she is dealing with this, where she knows and has met um, children that she has has, has birthed basically or, or carried. Um, and it it was it was a very eye opening episode to listen to that because it, it really puts it in more perspective of, uh, it could, one of the big questions we always ask is why, you know, why, like, you know, Toby was saying, why would this happen? Why, why us? Why now? And it, I don't think we'd ever have a straight answer, but sometimes, sometimes it feels like there's this, this bridge that's trying to be formed and, um, and maybe we're totally wrong in that. It could just be scientific study. I mean, we don't know, but, um, I think that's where it gets weird, as like you said, for you and I, and, and as most humans, we have, we have emotions, right? We have very complex emotions, and uh, for us, it's not a lighthearted thing at all, whereas for them, it, may, it might be the equivalent of just shaking things up in a tube and making something, you know? The, the, who knows, right? It's hard to speculate on that, but... Um, yeah, that, that was the majority. I mean, again, there's so much more, not only in the first book. I mean, we didn't even get into the helicopters and all that. You have a ton that way. We have the Reckoning now that's that's digging in a ton more. And then all those stories that have come forth. You shared some great stories on, excuse me, Jimmy Church's uh, show just a couple nights ago there. Uh, the one in Africa in particular, I, I found that one really, that was very intriguing where the guy was like, Hey, I'm pretty good with mechanics. Yeah, I know. Do you need a hand? I love that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, people should definitely get uh, in touch with you through, uh, once again, uh, it was TerryLovelace.com, correct? Correct. Yep. Uh, Uh,
2: TerryLovelace.com is my website, or you can email me at uh, TerryLovelace at yahoo.com.
0: Plain and easy, and we'll make sure we have that all in the show notes for anyone that, you know, too lazy to type them in. I get it. So we'll have them right there. You just scroll down, you click on it, and we'll yeah. get you in that touch that way once again terry thank you very much for coming on um and making the time this is this is, i even if this reached just one person out there that needed to hear this or can relate to this and get in touch with you or get some help um then, then that's what it's about for me you know that's it we did a job that's we're helping somebody so i appreciate yeah. it
2: that's what it's all about
0: all right well as i always end the show saying i'd ask everyone to once again please stay curious and keep it weird Keep it weird. That's perfect. That's what we do. <laughs>